Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 97, right here on Sifted. We got a great show for you guys today. It's been leaking out that The Last of Us 2 might not be coming out for a long while, and we're going to talk about the bigger implications of it. This is my surprise face. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a little indie game that I stumbled over that I think a lot of people are discovering called Aztez. Yep, and I love tower defense, and I've been playing Fortnite. We're going to dig deep. Let's go! Howdy partners! It's Friday, which can mean just one thing. It's Game Face from Sifted Games. Mm-hmm. It's been a crazy week. Right off the bat, I want to mention, uh, or at least give a huge thanks to all the people from YouTube who have come over and subscribed to Sifted over the last week and a half. Uh, we put up the first episode of Pactor Factor that kind of explained our financial situation. We have seen a lot of people uh, coming from YouTube and subscribing to the site. So, first of all, thank you very much. And two, welcome. This is Game Face, our flagship show. It's uh, three hours every week. Uh, and uh, you guys probably have not checked it out because we've been kind of behind this paywall all, the, all this time. We put up the first 11 episodes of Game Face with Marcus on our YouTube mm-hmm. channel. That are now back when it was supposed to be forty-five minutes long. Right, right, and uh, those episodes are now like two years old. So, uh, for a lot of you guys who are new, I want to welcome you guys and and say hello to Matt Kyle. Uh, Matt Kyle has been a co-host ever since Marcus left. I think you guys, once you guys get to know him, you'll see that he's just as good, if not better, than Marcus uh, as far as driving discussion. He's also a lot more different than me uh, Mm. when compared to Marcus, and I think that generates isn't as good as Marcus. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that generates a lot of good discussion because he had different has different tastes in games uh, from what I do. So. Welcome to our flagship show, Game Face. Hopefully you guys like it and you'll check it out every week. Um, how have you been this week, Matt? Uh, busy with a project I can't talk about yet, but it is relevant to your interests. So uh, yeah. when, when it's ready, I'll tell you about it so you can go see it. Uh, but it's just, you know, production schedules get crazy sometimes. Haven't had a lot of time to play some stuff, but I squeaked one, one game in there. And that's the perfect segue into yeah. our first topic on Game Face. So... Aztez, this is a game that uh, has got like zero hype, Matt. Yeah, I, think, I, I didn't know it existed until the day it came out. I think part so. of the problem is that the studio didn't promote it. Mm-hmm. By the time it came out, I think it had two trailers, had never been sent out for preview by the press, so it has had lim- limited coverage across the industry. Uh, but we were working on Dossier, which again, for some of you newcomers, Dossier is a monthly feature we do where we show every single game coming out for every single platform for the month. And then we include hype ratings from both Sifted Editorial and from the users. Um, and we were putting it together, and this is one of the games that was coming out. I think it came out the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caught my eye. As you can see, the, the graphics are certainly very unique. And then the first couple reviews came out for it, and both of them were nine or higher. So this game is starting to build a little buzz. Matt, you've been mm-hmm. playing it. What are, what are your impressions of it? I really like it. I mean, I, I first heard of it when uh, I think it was the day it came out, and... Um a uh, guy in one of the one of the chat channels I was in was like, "Who's anybody played this? What's this about?" And I was like, and, and I, I looked at it. He had put a link into the Steam page. So I, I went and looked at it. And it was like, turn-based strategy game in which the battles are determined by an action-based like hack and slash two D fighting game. I'm like, "Yep, that's me." Like, <laughs> Sign me up. Um, so I so I picked it up, and uh, yeah, it's it's like a weird mix of um, like so you see here. This is the strategy map. So it takes place in the, the Mexico Valley. Uh, in the Aztec era in the 15th century. 
and you control these things called Aztezes, which are like sacred warriors. Uh, you can have, like, right now I think I have four. Okay. So that re represents how many actions you can take in a turn. Uh, so you can see, like, the little, little circles there, the color circles there on the map. Those are missions you can do. And the mission, sometimes the missions, like, get you more things or more, more resources. Sometimes they unlock new weapons or new abilities. Uh, sometimes there are festivals, which can get you, like, new costumes. Uh, sometimes there are emergencies where if you don't do, if you fail at them or you ignore them and let the turn go by without doing them, like a serious negative thing happens to your civilization or, your, or to the city it's in. Um, so you have to kind of figure out um, how to spend your your warriors' time accurately. You know, accurate. I see those conditions there: defeat yeah. all enemies in three minutes. What happens if you satisfy those, so or then, do you have to satisfy? You those? don't have to satisfy the bonus, but if you satisfy the bonus condition in a battle, you get whatever the thing is. So that, that's okay. this common item. Uh, sometimes it's an uncommon item. Sometimes a rare, valuable item. Uh, in the festivals, which are longer timed things, really bloody. Um, oh yeah, the, like one, <laughs> yeah. The, the col it's all black and white in the battles, except for the blood. Uh, and then what you're seeing here is like you have a heavy, a light attack and a heavy attack, uh, and then a grab. So that is a sacrifice. What you see there, and what you can do is, um, uh, you, it's cut. The, there he's absorbing the blood. So it's covered by the little next Last of Us Two graphic on our screen. Yeah. But there's a little orb that fills with that blood, and when that blood fills up, the next time you absorb blood, you transform into your god, whatever god okay. you're 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 fighting for right now, and he does like a super attack that hits everything. That was really fast. Is that typically how long each one of the of the skirmishes lasts? If you're good, yeah. Okay. Um, so the longest ones are the festivals, which tend to like basically you're supposed to survive to the end of the timer, which can be like five minutes long at the at the higher levels, which is really hard because they just keep throwing stuff at you. Uh -huh. But like the bone, so the bone, so and then there you see there those are the items, the the cards you get here. Then you see the star rating is a uh, is a rarity. Rarity. So as, that one is great because you get another. That's another Aztec. So you get right. another warrior to okay. to do things with in each turn. But you get to pick between which one you want. This part um, of the game actually reminds me a lot of a game we're going to talk about later in the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Fortnite actually is a lot like this too. Believe it uh, or not. Yeah. All right. I, I wanted to play Fortnite, but I just didn't have time, and I ended up playing this because it was a little it's a little simpler to yeah. get into. Yeah. Um. It looks a little bit like Civ. Yeah, so right there you see bonus 100,000 points received cosmetic set, so that's a, you can choose between two uh, like skins, basically, for your uh, weapons yeah. or your armor. Okay. Um, and like that's basically it. Like You're trying to take over as much territory as you can. Uh, as you take over, like, outside cities can become uh, uh, discontent, and it makes it harder to take them over. Um, you want to build the population of each of your cities in various ways, either through festivals or through uh, card, using cards and items. Uh, because the more the bigger they are, the more resources you get, and you use the resources to buy basically bonuses for your cities or more items that are random. It's kind of a randomized thing. Got you it. just throw you throw some resources at something, you get a random item. Okay. Um, but yeah, as you can see, like the the combat is really fluid, really uh, reminiscent of like say something like Castle Crashers. I would say is a close juggles. Uh, obviously, tons of juggles. Uh, Tons of little intricate things you can do, like the, the, there's different attacks, so you saw there the yellow exclamation points, that's an attack that you can block or parry okay. if, you, if you block at the very last second, which is tough because their animations don't have a lot of wind-up usually. There you saw he had to go low to get through that guy's shield. Um, it's important to have everybody on one side of you. Why is that? Because so they can't hit you in the back. Um, are you particularly vulnerable from behind? Or? No, but if you're trying to do something on one side, it's easy to lose track of what's happening behind you because they can be off screen. Got you. So I always try to keep everybody on one side if I can. 
uh, you, have di you have four different weapons that you unlock over the course of the, of course of the game. So you start with this kind of classic Aztec obsidian sword. Uh, you get a spear, and you get like, a, like an axe club thing, and you get a knife. And you can actually change weapons in the middle of combos. Uh, and there's, oh wow! There's some fun stuff you can like. You can you can do a long combo on the ground, and then you can flip them up in the air, and you can jump up, do another combo there. You can do a dash heavy attack, which is a, is a stun. So, but in midair, it just makes them spin in midair. So you can keep doing the combo, and then you can flip them up higher, drop back down, and then when they come back down on the way back down, you can hit them again on the way down, flip them back up, and jump. I mean, you can keep. So juggling is a huge part. Oh yeah, of it. you can keep combo if you're not interrupted by stuff. You can keep combos going for. I mean, I've gotten 150 at this point uh, in, wow. a, in a large enough battle. You know, unless you until you run out of guys to kill, basically. Um, so I'm pr I'm real happy with how the combat works. It's uh, the, it, it, early on, you're like, oh, this is really easy. There's no, I, I was getting um, uh, I was getting pyre flashbacks a little bit, <laughs> where it was just like, oh, it's really easy. I don't know if this is every. And then very quickly they throw some stuff at you. It's like, oh, okay. I, you're, you're starting me on the training wheels, and now I've, now I'm fighting like a, a, an arena full of twelve wolverines, <laughs> and I can't even see which direction they're coming from anymore. Is there any kind of plot to the game, or any pros at all? Um, not beyond like the descriptions of the missions that kind of tell you what's happening, like you know, like the emergency be like, oh, there's a there's a flood, and if you don't do this, and for whatever reason, if you don't kill the evil, because the some of the enemies are like supposed to be people, but some of the enemies are supposed to be like evil spirits, yeah, and like you're supposed to like if you don't kill them, then they'll destroy your crops or something, and so like that, that's about as far as it goes so far. I mean, I haven't finished the campaign, so I don't know, um, but yeah, it's it's got about as much story as say a civilization. You know, where it's just like the story it's is enough to keep it going. Story but... is what you're choosing to do as right. you go, and and you you do get involved. Like so, there's you can see where you can spend your 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 resources on agents to basically, um, so like the, like the princess can instantly take over a city without having to spend a turn invading it, right, um, right, and having a battle, etc., etc. And so then, and that can like, uh, but you can't do that to a dissenting city. So the assassin is used to turn a dissenting city to a neutral city. It's um. Like the further, the longer you play, the more you're like, oh, okay, oh, there's a new wrinkle, oh, there's a new wrinkle. It's like, it's like so it piles on features. As yeah, you know. and like the cha combat does get challenging, and uh, you're gonna have to, you know, really get good at, at managing managing stuff. And then especially when you if you run into a thing where you're you're up against like 50 guys, and uh, your your bonus objective is get hit less than five times. Oh, jeez. Like so. Um, and there's no, uh, you can't save Scummit. It all auto saves. So if you screw up, you got to live with it. You got to live with it. Um, which is which is definitely the way I think it should be done in this. Like this, sometimes that annoys me. But in this game, it's like there's never. I haven't run anything at least where I felt like it was unrecoverable. Um, okay. And you can lose Aztecs like in certain uh, like high you know emergency missions usually. Um, if you like, right there, you say uh, lose combat. So lose combat or turn ends is the indicator of what happens if you lose, not the not the. And so if you lose that combat, the spies get away and your Aztez dies, which means you have one less action you can take per turn from then on. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So those are the high stakes. Battles. Yeah. What or, about culturally with this game? Anytime you you have a game based around an ancient civilization, there's mm -hmm. always going to be sensitivities around that. How does it handle everything? 
Um, I mean, it seems fairly straightforward, and I mean, at least it takes place in the actual location. They seem to get the city names correct. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like references to real Aztec deities and and. Because I mean, let's be thing. honest, the reputation of the Aztecs is not exactly not glowing. Tops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were. Like, it was a brutal society. And, and this definitely plays into that. I mean, obviously, it's it's one of the bloodier games you'll play this year, yeah. even if it is pr real stylized and cartoony. Um, but, I mean, as someone who's not of Aztec descent, it's right. not really my <laughs> place to... I mean, yeah. it it doesn't seem, like, offensive to me, but some people think that, you know... Anything is. Anything would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also, I also don't know... We'll actually talk about that under that topic in a little bit as I well. I also don't know... Uh, who the I, I don't know who the developers are. They might be of Aztec descent, and this is something they wanted to make because of their, their cultural heritage. I don't know. Like I, I know very little about this game's background because it's, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think it looks pretty badass. It does. Like, yeah, I really like, like if, the look I, of like it. If, yeah. if if someone made a game like this out of Irish mythology, I would think it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but again, Irish mythology has not been stereotyped and, and right. co-opted by white entertainment mega corporations for decades so that's not really a fair comparison what uh one how much was this uh it was 20 bucks 20 bucks and how long have you been playing it uh i put like two or three hours into it last oh, okay. night okay do you feel like you're getting near the end do you any idea how long it's not real i mean is? there's a the map isn't huge but it does take time to get through everything because you want to build up your resources and not just constantly expand out also the missions are not your choice so like you can only expand out into where a mission is Oh, okay. Um, so like, some... is there an incentive to go back and replay it again? Because you can't play every mission in the first playthrough. Yeah, because I think they're random. So okay. I think it's diff it'll be different every time. All right. And uh, and so so like, you know, it'd be interesting to play do a playthrough where like you just never take care of emergencies and terrible things keep happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and things. You know, I, I also I'm not super clear of how big the map is because I've been there's a there's an affliction that can happen called darkness. Which basically puts a really tight fog of war on the map, okay. and I've had that for like. They showed that earlier, actually. Yeah, so I've had that for a while, and I failed the mission to get rid of it. So uh, I'm waiting for that to happen again, so I can't look around too well. What platforms? Obviously, Xbox One. Yeah, it's on. Uh, well, I have it on PC. Okay. Um, I think it's PS4 as well. Is it? I think I don't it's know. all three. I didn't look. I know at least Xbox and PC. At the very least, Xbox and PC, and it's it. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it sure seems like it wouldn't take uh, a massive rig to run this thing if, you, if you're on PC. Uh, I have it running at 4K, and it actually looks really nice. Oh, I bet it does. Like, it's very clear and crisp. Um, and sometimes, like, these games with these two, like the more 2D look don't go Scale up that well. high very yeah. well. It depends but, like, on how... Look... And actually, I was originally... I didn't realize it defaulted to 720. Oh, really? And so I was playing... It, I was like, oh, it's a little blurry, but, like, yeah. I guess, you know... It's a... And at some point, I, I checked the <laughs> options for something. I'm like, wait... What? And I turn up like, oh, it's, it's gorgeous. There's Come on. the game. Yeah. There you are. <laughs> so would you recommend this? Um, if you look at this and think it, think this kind of thing looks cool, I would say, yeah. Because, you know, look, you know what the what the game this reminds me of? I mean, I don't of? think I've ever seen these two genres mashed up before. I have. For what? Uh, it's, it was Wrath Unleashed. I don't remember that Remember game. that? That was a LucasArts game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, okay. on the Xbox yeah, One and PS. Yeah. And it was like fantasy monster thing, but it was like that. It was a hex-based like warfare game, but the, the, the battles were real-time fighting game kind of yeah. things. And I really wanted to like it, but it was like the load times between fights were like a minute and a half. Like oh, it was, those it was were the completely days. unplayable. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. But I love the concept of like a, a strategy game that relies on your, you know, it's, it's why I like um, like the Total War games or, yeah. or, or like the, the Dawn of War, you know, 
conquer the world thing, like it actually relies on skill-based combat. Right, where yeah. like you, where you know, the the strategy is on the map, and then when you get to the actual battle to decide who wins the conflict, it's all down to your gameplay skill. Um, and I really love that. And this is a cool spin on that. If you if you like that kind of if you if you like the idea of, of a hack and slash game being kind of the determinator on your. Uh, on your strategy game, on your, your game of, like, micro-civ. I like the idea of a strategy game where skill-based gameplay is a determinant, period. Yeah. Instead of just a turn-based number cruncher, so... And it's got, it's, it, like, there's a lot of real satisfying little, little you know, touches, like, where, um, you can't hear it really here, but, like, when you when you finish a turn and all your cities produce resources, they all go... Choo, 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 oh, yeah. choo, and it's like, <laughs> it's got a nice old school feel in that regard where the sound effects kind of help bring you in. Yeah. And uh, I really like it. Like, I came out of, I came out of freaking nowhere and I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And I love games like that. Yeah. All right. So I, I, would, I would recommend it if you look at that and you think that looks like something fun. It probably will be fun to you because that's it is what it says and it, it says what it does and it handles well. Yeah, feels great. Feels good. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game we've all been waiting for. It seems like forever, uh, but I think part of that might just be how excited we are for the game because uh, it hasn't really been all that long since it was announced. The Last mm. of Us Two. Um, I think a lot of people were maybe assuming that we would see this game maybe Q one of next year. I think before this year, some of us thought maybe Q four of this year. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think we had that conversation a little bit before E3, where I yeah. was pretty sure this thing was way out. Well, now it has been determined that it is in fact yeah. way out. Uh, Naughty Dog this week was quoted as saying that it hasn't even begun full production mm-hmm. yet. So that means it's still in the prototyping stage, um, doing a lot of concept artwork, laying out level design, a lot of artwork. Mm-hmm. Period being done to it. Um, Which means they put a lot of effort into that uh, announce yeah. trailer tra- trailer thing with the the guitar and all. I, that. I think honestly, it may have just been a, Ko- a Ko- Kojima, where it's like this yeah. isn't it's even like, really is coming, the game. Just like they just basically pre-rendered yeah. a cinema. They Metroid Prime Four it. Yeah, <laughs> well, Metroid Prime Four was just a was even less, <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing where it's like it's coming. Shut up, just sit still. Yeah. yeah so I was really disappointed to hear to hear this. Um, Naughty Dog's excuse or, or reasoning was that it is we're for working full bore on Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, mm-hmm. which was originally supposed to be just a piece of DS story DLC yeah. for Uncharted Four. Seems more and more then, like it might be like it's almost a full game. It's at this point, it sounds like it, it would is, be a full game for any other studio. Yeah, basically. yeah. I mean, the amount of work and the yeah. quality has gone into it. Sure, um, we still aren't sure exactly how long it's going to be, but. Uh, you know, Naughty Dog has already shown us like two twenty-plus minute or two chunks of gameplay worth over twenty minutes. Um, if you're talking about a short DLC, that's typically not the case. So we're staring at what looks like it's going to be a full a full length release with Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. The question I have one is 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 that the right decision? I mean, look, we all know Naughty Dog is has already said it's going to pass the Uncharted franchise off if it continues at all, uh, and it's ready to kind of turn the page on the franchise. Do you think it's the right call to end up creating a standalone game that was supposed to be DLC at the expense of this other full-fledged product? Because, I mean, chances are The Lost Legacy is not going to sell as well as Uncharted 4, the base game, mm. did. Well, I mean, I'm in favor of it because I like Uncharted a lot more than Last of Us. Oh, really? But, okay. Um, I, I like uh, the story of The Last of Us a lot but and the characters, but the gameplay I thought was incredibly pedestrian. No, I agree. It was not interesting I mean, there was lots of caveats with the gameplay um, in that. And it's not like not the, the gameplay... Not least of which was the stealth, the mechanics. Right. It's not like also the fact that 
I mean, it's funny, but like one of the only real things I remember gameplay-wise from that is is it was an intern when it was that section where you're um, you're you're traveling with Bill. Yeah. And it was like an intern inside like stealth section. I was crouched behind a thing, and Bill and Ellie are just running shuttle runs back and forth yeah. in front of all the zombies, and I'm like, guys. No, at least, there were so at many, least pretend. Yeah, there were so many immersion breaks in that. Um, but it's just like it felt like I'd played that game a hundred times before, and I only went through it to see what happened to these characters. The story was, was great. The story was great. All of that. I mean, great. Naughty Dog is, is one of the best in that regard. And uh, is I, I mean, I, I I would watch the movie, you know, but I I have never ma- made it all the way through the game again because I just don't find it very interesting to play. And it's not like Uncharted is the the king of gameplay innovation yeah. or anything. It's solid, but, I, but it's spectacular. Just, yeah, it's just more uh, yeah. along my lines of interest, because to me, you know, I think a lot of the stealth in that game is essentially action, but slower. Yeah. Which is, you know, not... You know, I'd rather just shoot people in the head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a ton of times. <laughs> and that A lot, yes. Um, you'd think there would be a little more of a psychological impact on Nathan Drake after a while. I mean, the, the, I mean my Nathan Drake has killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 human beings. Right. But whatever. Um, that's another conversation. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see them give this a good setup, especially because I didn't like, I wasn't thrilled at Uncharted Four, uh, and this seems to lack Sam Drake completely, which is uh, one of the biggest pluses anything could be in anyone's book for me. And I like Chloe, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad they're making it a big deal because that's what I want to play. It appears to be much slower paced than Uncharted. Yeah, a little more, a little more on the. Uh, Indiana Jones figuring out the puzzles on the wall and a little yeah. less like, you know, punching Nazis on the tank. Yeah. To make the inevitable Indiana Jones comparison, but like, um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, it's a uh, change of pace for sure. In fact, I thought it kind of uh, Uncharted Four could have used a little more of that. Um, yeah, it could have used some valleys here and there. Yeah. It just kind of ratcheted it up to eleven and just kind of kept it there for most of the game, which is typical for an Uncharted game, but. Maybe that is kind of one chink in that franchise's yeah. armor. And also, like, I, mean, I, I, pretty much thought, like, in my head when they showed uh, the Last of Us, uh, just my familiarity with Naughty Dog and people who were there is that, like, I thought that game was going to be late 2019 at the absolute earliest, and I think we're probably looking at 2020 PS5 joint launch title kind of thing. This is what um, I want to talk about, actually, with this topic. Not so much how disappointed we are that The Last of Us 2 mm. is come not coming for a while, which we are disappointed. I personally am really disappointed in that. It's one of my most anticipated games. But I think looking at the bigger picture here, Matt, is looking at Naughty Dog as a studio and its overall output. And, I mean, we're looking at Naughty Dog releasing one game an entire console generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if what you say happens and we don't see... The Last of Us 2 until, until PlayStation 5 or like a hybrid game like we've got with I just Zelda feel like by the time, times. if you haven't started pre- basically production on it yet, by the time that game comes out, you know, I, I feel like they're probably going to want to avoid the situation where they made Last of Us and then instantly made a remaster because they were kind of right on that edge. Like, why not just make it for both? Especially when the, I mean, part of the issue with Last of Us and the remaster was probably that the architecture of the PS3 and the PS4 were so different. But yeah. in this case, there's not any, really any reason there's not no to learning plan curve. for that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, with this hardware, this is off-the-shelf parts. And I'm basically. sure if anyone knows what's coming hardware-wise, it's going to be Naughty Dog because they're Sony's golden child, basically. That's what I want to talk about, though. So, one game per generation. Mm-hmm. Uncharted 4 sold great. 
better, I think, than any other game in, this, in versus, yeah, the versus franchise. Versus 4 in the previous generation. Yeah. I mean, it sold amazingly well. So people, it seems, are finally getting on board with this franchise in a mass market way instead mm. of just being the core people really soaking yeah, it up. Uncharted used to, historically, was not a tremendous selling franchise. I mean, so, it sold pretty well. So, I mean, it ultimately. sold a million, two million, but like it wasn't like... It wasn't like you could be sure if someone played video games, they played Uncharted. But here's another thing to remember. During the PS3 and the PlayStation 2 era, Sony would advertise and market its games years after they came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would see ads for Uncharted long after it was still relevant to us. And it still only sold as well as it did. Now, Sony has shifted, shifted its marketing strategy for PlayStation 4. It's, it's a lot more like other publishers where you have the window where the game comes out and then it markets it for you know two or three months, maybe max after that. And yet, Uncharted Four still sold way better than any of the first games. So, I don't want to diminish um, the results of what Naughty Dog does. Uncharted Four sold great. I'm sure it got a lot of people to mm. buy PlayStation Four hardware just looking at trailers and things like that before it ever, ever even came out. But still, one game. And you start looking back historically, and you think back to Nintendo with Rare. The transition from the N64 to the GameCube, mm-hmm. and how shocked everybody was when Nintendo was like, "We're giving them up." And at least from what I had heard um, in the industry back then, it was because of Rare's lack of output, its inability to hit its release dates, even though its games came out and were some of the best on the platform and sold incredibly well. Nintendo event eventually just felt like the cost-benefit analysis of working with Rare wasn't worth it. And so I wonder if Sony ever reaches that point with Naughty Dog where it's like, look, your games are great, man, but one game every, like, four or five years? I mean, it's not like Sony is not paying them this whole time, Mm -hmm. and it's not funding its projects. I think, um, well, I think for that to really come to a head... uh Naughty Dog would have to make their equivalent of Star Fox Adventures, because <laughs> um, that's the other thing is like their output. Not only so was you their feel output, like Rare jumped the shark a little bit, right? Not Fox only was Adventures. their output slow, but like it wasn't up to snuff compared to their previous efforts. Uh, you also had that that little that little tail end there, where I think there I think there was a bit of a. There's always been tales of like a bit of a wedge between them and Nintendo after the Conquer thing. To the point that Rare self-published Conquer because yeah. Nintendo wouldn't touch it. Yeah. Um, and you've kind of had this feeling of like Rare wanting to go their own way, and and Nintendo being like, well, you know, maybe we don't need you. And well, then and mind, Mi- Miyamoto interfering with uh, Dinosaur Planet to the point it became a Star Fox game for no good reason whatsoever. That's what I was going to say is that it's not really Rare's fault that Star Fox Adventures right. turned into what it did. It was called Dinosaur Planet mm. on the N64 for years. And then I think it, we even played it at E3 a couple it, times. It, yeah, Dinosaur Planet form. twice was at E3 in playable form for mm-hmm. on the N64. And then they'd make the jump to GameCube. They cha- they slapped the Star Fox license on top of it. Didn't actually change the game all that much. No, you really mostly just played as Fox instead of Crystal. Yeah, but uh, which is fine. I don't know. Like I, I like that game. Okay. Great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a decent Zelda it was clone. A decent Zelda clone with the the rare collectible obsession thing again. I mean, how? I mean, I think there was even a Penny Arcade comic about where like the planet just kept asking for fourteen different collectibles. Yeah, and yeah. Star Fox <laughs> is like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, to me, there are parallels between the old Nintendo Rare relationship and what we're seeing with Sony and Naughty mm-hmm. Dog right now. I mean, a little bit. I think <coughs> I think Rare was. Straining away from Nintendo more than Naughty Dog is, I think. But like, there might be a point where Sony kind of has to sit Naughty Dog down and be like, "Hey, 
the crazy high level of detail and 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 artistic verve is amazing but maybe not if it takes another two years on top of what it already because i mean you're right because that does become the question right yeah. is it the is the extra it's like stuff... yes that 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 chase scene in four is amazing but maybe if you saved like three weeks, not putting quite so many apples individually modeled in the in the in the bins, like or making sure we... the mud splatters yeah. everywhere. Look, for people like us, it's like crack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh my god, this is so awesome. But when you start talking about the bigger market, the mass market, how much appeal or how much of a difference maker is that kind of stuff? I don't know. I mean, Does it really keep people? people from buying a game or make people buy a game ultimately? Well, I think part of that is because Sony loves to have that kind of thing there to show in their big events like E3 and, and stuff yeah. like that because it, it's something... But do people even notice it though besides us? Like we're gets... like, oh my god, look at the well, gas can sliding right, around in the back like the, of the Jeep. But and... all that adds, you know, it's like, it's like they say on Red Letter Media, you know, you may not have noticed it, but your brain did. And yeah. like, and like it gets them mainstream coverage. Kind of like coverage. 30 frames per second between right. 60 frames it per second. Fra- it gets them noticed. It gets them mainstream coverage to some degree. Like people, you know, if, 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 you're a, if you're a non-gaming media outlet and you're looking through footage to like use for your Sony story or whatever, you're probably going to choose that one because it looks yeah. amazing. A, even to the, you know, even to the, you know, the layman. Um, so I can see them having value in terms of like, you know, they're, they're their demo yeah, they, they're always going to turn something out that they can use to promote and use as a demo and use, like, look what this hardware can do. And I think that was in part what that Last of Us thing was as well. There's value um, in that, but, but how there, much? But, well, yeah, but that's that's a question only Sony can answer for themselves. And I don't see them really do... I mean, look, if if Last if Last Guardian still came out... <laughs> yeah, um, good point. <laughs> like, I, Sony clearly is willing to see these things through for the sake of whatever the value they see in it is. Yeah. Um, you know, Last Guardian, I don't think, sold tremendously well. Probably not enough to make up for 11 years of dev time. Oh, no. But, um, no way. Not we, even close. But, but it got people talking, to some degree. Um, like if I, you're Sony, what do you do? Do you go to Naughty Dog and you're like, look... I mean, we're seeing it again already with The Last of Us 2. Like, Sam, if you'll roll that clip mm. of The Last of Us where she's playing the guitar. Like, each one of the strings on that guitar mm. is individually and meticulously modeled... Well, to say nothing of the bones and tendons in her hand. I mean, that's that I mean, is obscene. Like what's like that's incredibly good. It's in, it's in, it is insane, and to us that's amazing. But when you ultimately start talking about the people who are the folks who buy copy two million to five million and beyond versus us, the core two million who will notice this stuff, is it worth it? I mean, if you're Sony, do you go to them and be like, look, you you do the best work in the industry on a lot of fronts, but Bro, you've released one game in like mm-hmm. five years. Well, the other thing is like maybe we, you know, we don't know everything about the internals of Naughty Dog. Um, you know, and some of the some of the delay on this may not necessarily be this is just how long it takes to make these games. It might, you know, they just had a major transition with the leaving of Amy Hennig, and yeah, and you know, they had to kind of revamp how Uncharted Four worked, and so that probably took a lot of time away from what you know. If Amy Hennig had stayed there and her team had stayed there, that you know, Uncharted Four and that stuff would have been worked on by them. And you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Druckmann. Druckmann. Neil, Neil Druckmann. He's actually and, the one who made the quote from this week. Yeah, he's, yeah. and he's uh, you know, with the Druckmann and company would have probably continued working on Last of Us, which was their baby, and maybe you know, the parallel development might not have been quite so skewed. But uh, clearly, they had to restructure a bunch of stuff, and Druckmann's in charge of everything now. So, right. so part of this might just be growing pains. Uh, which is unfortunate for us and unfortunate for Sony's uh, bottom line over the rest of the PS4, which might be why, 
you know, Lost Legacy has expanded as much as it did because this is their shot to get another Naughty Dog game on the market before everything goes dormant for how many years while Last of Us 2 gets made. How about from our personal perspective? Would, would we, would you, and I'll answer as well, would, we, would you rather have more Naughty Dog games at maybe a slightly lower fidelity or would, do you want Naughty Dog to keep doing what it's doing? Um, I mean, I'm, it's not like there's a shortage of good stuff to play. So I'm I mean, basically of... what I'm asking you is, like, is it worth it? Um, or is that what separates Naughty Dog games? Or I think is it, it is something partly, else? I think it's partly what separates Naughty Dog games. I, my, my objections to the, uh, the hyper detail and the highs, I know how much it makes... How, how much crunch time it puts right. on that I mean Naughty Dog is basically always crunching from what from yeah. what reports say yeah uh, and uh, people in the trenches don't seem to light, stay there very long yeah uh, from what I've seen and so I mean it may be contributing to inhumane working conditions yeah. would be my main objective uh, objection there um, but as someone who likes their games like if it didn't if it looked like 80% is good it's not like I wouldn't buy it. Right. You know, the main reason I'm there for Naughty Dog games is story, writing, and performance. And they deliver that every single time, and they've been delivering it even as far back as the PS3. Yeah. And uh, as much as I love those Uncharted remasters, they're not a giant, you know, head and shoulders leap over the experience I had on the PS3. So, yeah. um, the argument could definitely be made that it would be more reasonable or more um, financially, financially cost-effective <laughs> yeah. or... Uh, humane yeah. to, to its employees <laughs> to scale it, you know, to rein it in a little bit. Yeah. But um, I also want, I feel like that's kind of not Naughty Dog. It's, yeah. you know, their corporate culture is all about, like, pushing that edge. I, I want them to just keep doing what they're doing, to mm -hmm. be perfectly honest with you. I mean, they're, the other thing, too, is that other developers are kind of, they're not as good as Naughty Dog, but they're kind of buttoned up against it. So I feel like we get those games that are just a cut below. We get plenty of them from other mm -hmm. publishers. Um, and I, from my perspective, I am the person who notices those small details. And to what you said about how, you know, those little touches are what kind of separate it. And because their games really are about storytelling and things like that, those touches are what really sell the best elements yeah. of Naughty Dog's games. And if you doubt that, play this and then play a Telltale game. Yep, you're absolutely right. So... It's a, it's a, I can see Sony's in a tough position with these guys. Yeah. I mean, it's a, there's really no other development studio that creates games of this quality, at least from a visual perspective. Um, and they're certainly the crown jewels for Sony's hardware, and that holds a lot of value. But at the end of the day, you're, you're paying this company to create games for your platform year-round. It's not yeah. like you're only paying for whenever they're actually working on X, Y, or Z. These people are paid all year-round... And man, I just think this a game and a half in five years is hard I, I, to. I don't know if, La if uh, Lost Legacy is going to end up being a half a game. I, I think this this looks this would be a full game for just about any other studio. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that, even though it's not priced like a full game. Um, but I feel like you might end up kind of just having a situation where because of the the changeover in in high end uh, you know creative leads. This is a little bit of a lost generation for Naughty Dog, yeah. and they'll have to, you know, figure it out, restructure going forward from Last of Us Two, which uh, is a shame. I mean, this should I mean, have been the easiest generation to develop for that so, Naughty Dog has ever worked on. Yeah, but it's like you know, reality is what it is, and the realities of business happen. So, like, if I were Sony, I would be basically trying to make sure they're positioning themselves to have a more reasonable schedule for the PS5 era, um, working with them to make sure that Last of Us Two. Uh, makes you want that PS5 hardware bad. Yeah. Uh, even if it is 
as Pachter predicts, just an incremental step and not a leap. Yeah. Um, you know, make it the thing that makes you want to drop that three, four hundred dollars on that new system, and then from that, from from there on out, like you know, hopefully have restructured and kind of figure things out so you can get something out at least every two years. Yeah. As going forward, so. Um, it's it sucks for Naughty Dog fans that like we don't get uh, more on the PS4, but uh, you know I'm I'm not super worried about it because you've got you know companies like uh, developers like Guerrilla Games stepping in and like yeah, I mean Horizon real. Horizon is uncharted quality to it me is, yeah. in, in most respects particularly for an open world yeah. action RPG. Um, so they've they've got the talent to sort of fill those gaps if Naughty Dog can't do it themselves, but there is that certain something Naughty Dog games have that. We will miss. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, going back to what you're saying about uh, the PlayStation 3 with its unique architecture, I think we'll see an acceleration from Naughty Dog mm-hmm. going forward. Now that Sony has kind of gone to off-the-shelf parts for its hardware, Naughty Dog's built those libraries based around that now. It's just going to build upon what it's worked, what it's worked on with these games on uh, PlayStation 4. So I think that this problem might actually improve over the next half-decade to a decade, provided... Sony keeps its marbles and continues down this path with its hardware. Mm-hmm. So, and Naughty Dog doesn't. I mean, the perfectionism, perfectionism can really push a schedule back with if, anything. If you're not careful with so. anything. Yep, without a doubt. I know that personally. So, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about the Switch, which we talk about at least once every episode. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if you noticed, Matt, but over the last couple weeks. I've seen tons of photos on social media between Facebook, Twitter, Instagram of people finally finding Nintendo Switch sitting on mm-hmm. store shelves in America. Yep. Japan, people are still lining up to get it. You're still like getting a, a basically a lottery trying to get one. In the US, it appears that supply has finally caught up with demand. And what happens now? Um, now I think it sits for a while until Mario comes out. Yeah. Until the holiday rush happens. Because on Pactor Factor this week, someone asked a question kind of related to this. And they had assumed in the question that the Switch was a success. Mm. And his answer was, oh, a success? What's a success? How many is it sold? Right. Um, And when we had recorded it, it was at least known that it was like around three to four million sold. Turns out they had sold more than that. uh, And they're basically at a little less than five worldwide right now. It was like 4.7. Yeah. And, you know, his point is, like, even at 5 or 4.7 or whatever, that it really doesn't mean anything. Right. All it means is that it had a good start. Yep. Um, and so he took umbrage with somebody saying, now that the Switch is a success, mm-hmm. it's not really a success yet. It's had a good launch. Right. I've been saying that for months. Like, yeah. We don't know if this thing's a real success until it sells beyond the audience that bought the Wii U because the Wii U was not good enough to be a success. I mean, mathematically, you can predict that if it's sold this much by then, it's going to outsell the Wii U without any problem yeah. because, you know... I mean, I don't think we can, It can't really be argued that it's not more successful than the Wii U. definitely more successful than the Wii U. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no denying that. But, like, what I'm looking at and the way it's starting to slow down versus, like, what and what next year's lineup could be and how much that would excite the mainstream audience versus Nintendo fans, which are a different... You know, that's a different market to get money out of than the mainstream audience. Yeah. Um, and the mainstream audience is what you need to make this thing a big success. I think it has more mainstream appeal. I think you're seeing people like 
now that I've seen a couple people I know on Facebook or whatever say like, oh, I found one at Target, so yeah. I bought one. Right. Like, they weren't going to put the effort into, like, I'm going to follow Aria64 on Twitter and run over to Best Buy the instant he, right. somebody <laughs> says it. But if they, like, happen across one, they're like, oh, yeah, I wanted that. I'll get that. So, like, yeah. so, like that's starting to happen with people that you know, are casual gamers that I know, which is a good sign. Um, but I think, I mean... I think, the awareness is definitely there. Yeah, but I think you might, and I think you're going to see this thing top off somewhere around GameCube levels, which... 18 to 20 million, something like that? Um, closer to 30, I think. So I think GameCube... GameCube was around 30. Was it? I thought I it so. barely made it over 20, but... I don't remember. I, I've, I've, always, I've been thinking it's around 30, um, because the other thing is, um, the, uh, like the sales of that generation felt skewed because the PlayStation 2 was selling so damn well right. that even if you sold 100 million, you felt like you'd failed because yeah, the yeah. PlayStation 2 was like so far out ahead. Which I don't. I wonder if we'll ever see anything like the PlayStation 2 sales again because because the DVD player pushed it so hard. Well, I think the question too, though, is you know how well do third parties do on your platform? Um, because on the yeah. GameCube, they did terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with 20 million, they did terrible. Capcom seems to think you know Street Fighter seems to have sold pretty well, like a 10% attach rate uh, for the current user base, and Capcom seems thrilled that now they can dump. Uh, years old games on the Switch <laughs> and say it's a new release because that's great. Well, the Capcom um, just said yesterday that it was somewhat satisfied with the sales of Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it looks like it might beat Street Fighter 5. Yeah, which, yeah. So, maybe Capcom better uh, check itself before it rents <laughs> itself. Have we learned something, Capcom? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it said, essentially said that wasn't good enough for it to bump up production of Switch games. Right. So it's I don't waiting. think you're going to see new Capcom games on it, but I think you will start seeing the whole back catalog. Back ca- I mean, if you want, if you want a portable Resident Evil machine, I think you bought one and didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's all coming. Yeah, well, it is. We're going to yeah. talk about that actually in a little bit as well. But uh, so, what do you think the prospects are for? Are, are you surprised they just kind of leveled out this quickly? Because I am. No. no, you're not. I thought this is exactly what I expected it to do. I didn't think. It, I thought it would keep this momentum. I thought it would be follow Wario sixty four on Twitter until at least the end of this year. I thought it might be that if Nintendo never got their act together in pr- getting the production channel correct. But I think it sounds, you had faith that it was going to do that. No, <laughs> um, but I figured if if they started you know meeting demand properly with with the supply chain, yeah, um, it would start to to tail off after Splatoon 2 because everyone who cares has one. ARMS seems to um, pretty much... ARMS... Yeah. The other thing I think... ARMS, other, I mean, ARMS, the, the eSport of the future, uh, <laughs> seems to have not become that. Um, I mean, it was... It was I mean, it fell off after two days on Twitch, really. And if some, yeah. something oh, like there, that is not on You can't even find a live stream of it now. I looked at the... at the Because you can look at the page with the thing that says, you know... Um, uh, it shows the whole the, any streams of the game, and I looked at it a, a couple weeks ago, and there was nothing there. And then, and at one point, I looked back, and there was a, there was one had popped up, and it was called "Why doesn't anyone like this game?" <laughs> and I'm like, that's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Um, I also think Splatoon Two cannibalized a lot of arms yeah, as, for sure. arms as Twitch because sure. Splatoon Two is blowing up. It's yeah. doing great. So Spl- particularly in Japan, Splatoon Two is the success story there for like streaming and online stuff. Uh, and arms, I mean, arms was I guess a nice thing to keep. People who had to switch busy for a yeah. month. Uh, not even a month. Not really. even. There's not, yeah. not that much going on in that game. But, like, you know, you'll probably see one of those guys pop up in the next Smash Brothers. So, hey. Yeah, you're right. Um, cu- you know, custom made. <laughs> probably make for a pretty good Smash level. Anyway, um, yeah, I ex- because there's nothing to do there until yeah. Mario, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm interested in Mario 
Mario Rabbids the Kingdom Battle, whatever. Yeah. But like, I. But after that comes out, it's it's nothing for a while. It's a ghost town for until, a couple months uh, until Mario. Yeah. And I also think like you know a lot of the mainstream audience just doesn't care about video games. They don't routinely check game news or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. No, you're and right. I th- and I think it's and once you start seeing commercials on you know NFL games for Mario Odyssey and the Switch in the fall. It's going to pick up again because people are, oh yeah, that. I guess like, you know, well, that, that's the Christmas. I want that for Christmas, or I'm going to get that for the family for Christmas. Or I think it'll it'll pick up again there. Yeah. Um, so it's going to do well, uh, especially if Nintendo can get you know units in the supply chain, uh, unlike the Super Nintendo Classic, yeah. <laughs> um, which is just looking like a like a, a vast wasteland of pre-orders um, starting at the end of the month. Nintendo saying a big supply at launch and steady supply through the holidays. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if you can get if you can get on there in the five minutes they last. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, but uh, it's about what I expected. Um, I'm interested to see how the Switch sales go in 2018 because I feel like they don't have anything driving. Yeah, we talked about that last driving week. the sales yeah. of the system to non-fans. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like I mean, this is this is, I I the, the fear over the over the system early on is uh, to be expected because Nintendo is a loyal fan base and it had a really good Zelda game on it. Uh, some would say the first really good Zelda Zelda game in a very long time. Yeah. On a console. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Link, Link Between Worlds is, is great, but that's a handheld game. I know some people think the Switch is a handheld. It's not the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you know what I actually you know what when I will say the Switch has slowed down to the point that I'm concerned. When I start seeing neon Joy Cons on shelves, why are they like the hot? Thing? Neon Joy Cons are. Imp- I've never seen one. Really, I've never seen one in a store. I don't even they want are, them. Everybody, I like the, no, I got the gray. gray ones. I like, but the, the 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 fans love the neon ones and the neon Switch. The actual, you know, the neon Switch yeah. version versus the gray one. The neon Switch one goes mo- for more really? on eBay because I'm people want the colors. That. And once you start seeing those, the neon sw- the neon color switches and the neon standalone Joy Cons, when you start seeing those sitting on shelves, that's when you want to. That's when you're going to say, "Oh, this is slowed down." Yeah. Because those are the ones people want. people love them. Those are the popular ones. I my OCD won't allow me to have two different colors. That's also part of it because the the separate <laughs> you can buy the separate ones in the opposite colors. Right. So like you, if you want two blue, you yeah. have two red. You have to buy the separate right. one. Right. Yeah. Which is a great way of squeezing more money out of you for accessories. Which is the point of this system, people. Like yeah. I'm t- I've said that from way back. Like that is that is what they're doing. Is they're selling you. Gizmos. Yeah. Wait till, wait till the wait till the D-pad one comes out. I'll buy that. I'm an idiot. Like, it's I'm very weird seeing footage of us wearing a different outfits <laughs> in the same yeah. studio. But um, yeah, I'd say I'd say the the canary in the coal mine for the Switch in terms of speed of sales is the neon the neon Joy Cons. If you start seeing those, then I would be like, oh wow, why is this here? Because everybody wants those, and if everybody has them. You're starting to hit saturation on on that kind of thing, and now you have to sell it to people who need to be convinced. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Lawbreakers, the new arena-based shooter from Cliff Blazinski, um, coming out very soon. In fact, I think it comes out Tuesday. Yeah. For eighth. for thirty dollars or forty dollars? Thirty dollars, I think. Thirty sounds right. Thirty dollars on PS4 and PC. Mm-hmm. Still not been announced for Xbox One yet. Uh, Cliff Blazinski came out this week and said that everybody who, or maybe it was last week, saying that everybody talking about how easy it is to port a game over to Xbox One X is full of it. Because <laughs> there have been 
lots of reports since E3 of developers saying literally things like, it took us an hour. Yeah. I'm not even exaggerating, Matt. Like, a developer said it took him an hour to get a game that was running on the other platforms running on Xbox One X. Cliff comes out and says, no way, Jose. So it looks like it won't be coming to Xbox for at least a little bit, which is weird because really Xbox is the brand that Cliff built his name on. Mm. Don't you find that odd that he starts his own studio and he doesn't even consider Xbox at first? For, I mean, look, he's a business guy, wants to sell as many as possible, but I, I found mean, that I mean, really... Well, I mean, I mean PlayStation is the one winning. So. Yeah, and I mean, actually, to be perfectly honest, he really built his name on PC. Yeah, I mean, I Unreal, mean that's, Unreal and Unreal Tournament are PC games first. Yeah. Most people don't know him for that, though. They know him for Gears of War. And Gears of War was really the game that kind of put the Xbox 360 over the top, if you really want to think about it. That mm. was like kind of the turning point where... It was when they finally had another Halo, basically. Yeah, I mean, they had, that some, was... they had something to, to, to pull in the shooter fans when Halo didn't come out one year. Yeah, and that was where you kind of saw that, you know, the, the shift of, oh my gosh, it looks like 360 is going to win this quote-unquote console war with PlayStation 3. Mm. In addition to all the other reasons, which, you know, better third-party games, blah, blah, blah. But, but Gears was kind of that thing. And, you know, it's, it's odd that he's abandoned uh, the Xbox brand for his first sort of independent game. Uh, Matt, what do you think the prospects are for Lawbreakers? Um, man, Can I don't it know. find a space? Because it's I, like... I hope so, because it's really cool. It is really cool. Um, it's really hard, though. I haven't played it's the... the first thing I Yeah, it is. Say. I mean, the learning curve is huge. It is huge, um, yeah. Dude huge, yeah. one might say. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right, I forgot that's people a, that's, used to call him that. That's a Cliffy joke. Well, there's um, also we're also using Cliffy B down below there, which he hates. Yeah, so. he's, not, he's, he's Cliff. He's Cliff Blazinski now. He's not, don't call him Cliffy if you mean No him. offense, Cliff, if you're watching this. Or um, Rohan, who works with Cliff. It, it just made for a good head, headline for the talk. I mean, yeah, of course. But, uh, <laughs> no, I would never call him Cliffy to his face. No. <laughs> Maybe now that he's not all yoked out. <laughs> uh, he's still in pretty good shape. Yeah. He's still doing all right. Yeah, for a while there, though, he looked like he was on roids or whatever. So. Oh, yeah. For, he, he, uh, he, he went through a, a period. Yeah, where, where, where he was a gym rat or whatever. Yeah. Well, um, man, if you got the shoulders, do it. I yeah. <laughs> but do you think that this can find its place among what is quickly becoming an incredibly crowded... I mean, I hope Character-based so. Character-based arena shooter market. I hope so because, like the the traversal and the and the and the agility focus is really good. You can do some crazy stuff in this game. Well, and I mean, the, I'll say this. You I'll know, say I this. About it, it. This game, and I'm not a I'm not a person who watches competitive first-person shooters, as it, but I will watch the tournaments for this because I'm sure the pros on this are going to be doing some amazing stuff. With I it. mean, look, I'll be perfectly honest. Watching this reminds me of trying to watch Overwatch esports, and Overwatch esports is too much. It's the jerking around and the high frame rates and everything. Everything. I can't watch it that long before my eyes are just like, Shane, stop. Please stop. <laughs> um, it's hard to follow, too, if you don't know the game really well. Mm. Particularly with esports where they're jumping around from character to character really quickly. Um, but that is its competition. Overwatch is its competition. Paladins is another game that is very much like this that has been doing very, very well. And that's free to play. Um, obviously, you have Quake Champions coming pretty soon. But honestly, I think this wipes the mat with Quake Champions, which is kind of ironic. You know, yeah. considering uh, Cliff's pedigree, especially the especially the wording there. Yeah, since exactly. he started making Unreal maps. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and look, I don't there. think that if this game does not do well, I don't think it's an indictment on the quality of the game at no. all. Like the game is great, and the learning curve is pretty severe. Uh, but once you get over the hump, it, uh, you know, I talk about Tribes all the time. It's one of my favorite shooters of all time. This game is very much like Tribes. Mm -hmm. It gives you a lot of uh, variance in how you can traverse the maps. It's got a huge learning curve. 
But just like with Tribes, man, once you start to get it, you start to say, wait, why am I playing any other shooter than this one? So I think it does have an opportunity for that breakthrough. It also has been, you know, there's been open betas now for like two weeks. Everyone's kind of had a chance to play it and really see if it's something for them. I think there's still an open beta going on right now, actually, mm -hmm. for it. Um, so I don't think that if it does not end up doing well, that it's that there's any fault with Boss Key or the way they've marketed the game, or the access that they've given people to the game. I think it, you know, for a small studio, it has done an amazing job. Yeah. And that's not just because I love Rohan, and I like Cliff. It would also be in, uh, this is uh, Nexon, is publishing. publishing. It yeah. would be good for them to have something other than MapleStory to lean on. Yeah, I mean, if there, actually, if there is one thing I would say Ow. about Nexon, is that I don't feel like it's done a great job promoting it. I mean, look, the have you seen a commercial for this game yet? No. Me either. I mean, have you seen ads running on websites anywhere for this game? Honestly, if, no. I, if I didn't know people making it, I don't know if I'd be aware of it outside of the gaming circles. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, look, we curate everything for this game onto the site, but we don't give it any preferential treatment or anything. And it does okay. I mean, if we look at our data under the hood for its views and things like that, it's... it. It's tracking somewhere in the middle. It's yeah. not like bombing, but it's not like a smash hit either. Um, like, I'd hope it can find uh, an audience. I mean, like, I worry about, like, a Titanfall scenario where, like, even though the game's good, like, it just doesn't find its find its niche. And I feel like that would be a more disastrous thing for Boss Key than for Respawn because Respawn has the backing of EA. Yeah. And, like, EA could just, just say, okay, well, we recognize the quality. It didn't quite work. Let's do Titanfall 2 and see where we go. Oops. Um, Did you see, though, today that Vince Ampella finally admitted that the launch window hurt the game? Yeah, about damn time. Just finally today. Because they've asked him about that, like, dozens of times. And he kept saying, no, no, I don't think that has anything to do with it. And uh, finally today, he admitted that, yes, that mm -hmm. it had an impact on the game sales. The fact that it was crunched in the middle there. Well, obviously. I mean, yeah. Well, I think he finally said what everybody else already finally, knew. Yeah, he finally, like, said, okay, yeah. But, uh... I wonder if anybody answered for that. Yeah. I mean, look, your girlfriend is a huge Overwatch player. Yeah. And do you, has she talked about this game? Do you think that she no. might actually move over? No. I don't think she will. Because she, uh, she's into Overwatch for the characters to a large degree. And that's another thing I would say about this is that the characters aren't all that memorable. They no, don't I, look... did, I didn't quite realize they were. it was a character-driven shooter until, like, Maybe the second time we talked about it, like it's they're not as, I don't, but of course it doesn't use the kind of the the big floaty, uh, uh, kind of the big cartoony art style that Overwatch and a lot of Blizzard stuff does. And I think that's a problem. Yeah, because so, it allows you to accentuate features of characters to make them in all on honesty a lot more memorable. Like you know they keep doing. Um, trailers for individual classes in this game, and I keep watching them, and their abilities are different for sure. But just looking at the characters at face value, none of them really stand out. One, no. well, even and they like all watching this, like I kind of bleed into each other. Like I can't tell who's who from a nope. long distance. And there's that's no, one thing Overwatch does great. There's no separate like. There's, there's no like silhouette recognition yet. And I think that helps with gameplay as well. I mean, in Overwatch, it's like you can see an enemy from a long ways away, know immediately who it is, and then your brain takes over, saying, "Okay, mm -hmm. I know what this." This character's capable of. I know what his strengths are. I know what his weaknesses are. And then you attack thusly. Right. And with this game, it's like you see someone who's 50 yards away. It could be any but any of the characters. And I'm sure as you play it, 
you get better you at recognizing them. But, but also, you have you you know that recognition helps uh, make it a, a, a viable spectator sport as well. Yeah, you're right. You're like, absolutely right, and that's like, going to be a big part of making this game a success. If you want to make something an esports success, you can't expect people to be so intimately familiar with it to understand what they're seeing. Yep. Um, and understanding what the game's doing, what the, like, you know, the strategy of the game and stuff is one thing, but not being able to tell who's who until you've spent you know 10 hours learning everything is is going to be a problem um but i think its main strength is that it just doesn't play like anything else i mean it's you know like there's a comparison to tribes there's a comparison to be made to, to titanfall but um just the way it uses the physics and kind of the the hook shot sort of stuff and yeah. all that. i mean there's there's a lot of cool things going on here and uh you know i think I think making it a pay game uh, and not like a free-to-play sort of, uh, you know, buy stuff to, to yeah. play properly, Cosmetics, pay to win thing. I yeah. think that was a smart move. You do? I do. Um, just because I know, I mean, maybe, maybe not smart, but it's like it's certainly one I support. And I know Cliff uh, hates the whole, like, he feels like, I think he feels it compromises like a game if you have to kind of beg for money. I mean, uh, it's probably going to still have paid cosmetics. I think it will have paid cosmetics, but it's just like, you get that baseline that everyone is playing has put in that money, and you get that money to make the game better. Uh, you know, and do this, hopefully do free content updates that matter. Versus like, you know, if you want to spend your money on loot boxes for skins and stuff that are just you know aesthetic, great. But like, you know, give me the you know just like Overwatch. Overwatch was a full price game, and yeah. uh, you know it, nobody seems to have minded having paid that, and they get their free updates and they get their events and stuff, and it works. The question is, can you get pe can you pry people away from that to try this? And when they do try it, will it convince them to change? And that's why I think it costing money is a problem, in all honesty. Because to get people to try it, they're going to have to pay for it. Or, I, I think or this play the game, open beta. I think this game is it right, but most people don't play open beta. Right. It's the core to the core. I honestly think that this game will eventually go free to play. Uh, mm. As for how long that's going to take, I wouldn't be sh shocked if it happens in like six to eight months, um, depending on how well it does at launch with sales and things like that. And obviously, Nexon is going to have a big, big hand in that. But Nexon is a free-to-play company. A lot of its games are free-to-play, and that's kind of the business model that it follows. Um, and so, probably a lot of the financial structure inside Nexon uh, lends itself to making free-to-play products successful as mm. well. Um, so there might, you know, obviously I don't know this is for a fact, but there might be a little bit of friction inside there with Nexon saying, hey, you know. It is an interesting this choice is our of wheelhouse. publisher if that's what you wanted to do. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, I talked to Cliff about Nexon. And the reason they chose Nexon was because Nexon basically gave him the license to do whatever the hell that he wanted with mm. the game. Um, and I, I can totally understand that, particularly someone like Cliff. Yeah. Uh, who has a really strong personality, has great ideas, and has a proven track record of success. So I can understand from both perspectives why that uh, that union makes sense. Um, but it's just so tough, man. This market is so crowded. Mm -hmm. And I also like you, with great you games. Can see, by the way. You can see Cliff's in like kind of like because Cliff has such a, a, a focus on what looks cool and what yeah. yeah. You can even see it in like the reload. Yeah, yeah. Just, for like, sure. just, it's like no, just make him toss it in. Yeah. Make him toss it in the gun, and yeah, he's yeah. done. It's like it's it's. It's got personality. There's it does. No, there's no doubt whatsoever. I just don't know there. if it has the personality in the right place, in the yeah. right places. I mean, it's like it's a shallow. In some ways, it's a shallow criticism, but it's also a very relevant one in terms of market. Yeah, like that's just you know the market is shallow. It is, you know, unfortunately, when it comes yeah. to first impressions. Well, and I think things just need to be a little more obvious for the mass market. Um, they. 
like like we were talking about the characters, like subtleties in character models, that's not going to do it with the mass market. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, well, maybe, look, they can add characters. Well, and I don't know if you've seen, uh, there's another character action shooter esportsy thing that Amazon's making. I think it's called Breakaway. I haven't seen like it, that. no. Something like that. Uh, it's kind of weird, but originally it was like, it was like, um, I think it's called Breakaway, something like that. It, but it, it's almost like Magic Rugby or something. It, it seemed to have a little more like Saturday night combat sort of thing yeah. going, or Monday, whatever that game was. But um, they just revamped their whole thing. So originally it was like historical characters, like in a in a like a free for all brawl. So it was like there's like a lady pirate, Anne Bonnie, and there was a a cowboy, and like. They just revamped everything, and so now like everything is weird and fan and like big. It, it looks like it looks like the game got bitten by a radioactive image comic from the nineties. <laughs> like so, the, the the cowboy used to be like he looked kind of like Idris Elba. He was just sort of a like a standard cowboy in a long sh- coat with a with a gun and everything. And now he's like he's a cowboy back from hell with a living cape and a gun that shoots like soul energy and it's just like with, like and, like glowing bullet holes all through his <laughs> his like forty nine inch chest and stuff. And it's just like. No, like what? Yeah. Like, like they're t- clearly if somebody had a oh my god, panic, panic, oh, make it look like Overwatch, 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 now, now, now meeting, and somebody took the wrong lesson. And well, there's a danger. You can go in wrong too. in the other direction. Right. There's a danger in that too of just trying to make another Overwatch. Yeah. Because then you're going to be compared to Overwatch, which is an amazing game with a huge player base. Um, so you don't want to just try to carbon mm-hmm. copy that. We've kind of seen that with Paladins, even though Hi-Rez wears up and down that it, it was working on this game before. Overwatch has ever even debuted or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. But, but there is a danger of trying to stray too closely because then you're compared directly with that yeah. other game. And you and don't want that. You don't want that with Overwatch. I mean, that game is kind of like arena shooter perfection. And uh, so I can see maybe where Cliff and team were like, well, look, we don't want to be exactly like this other game. And again, Cliff's game was in development a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had been started whenever I was on the cusp of launching Sifted. So... Or actually, even before that. It's, yeah. it's been in development for like three years now. So there's no easy answer. I wish them luck. You know, on a personal yeah. level, uh, Rohan, who I used to work with at Game Trailers, is their community manager. He's in like all their trailers. And I know he has been working his ass off over the last like six months. I saw him at E3 and he looked like he was just defeated. So I know that these people have been working really hard on this game for a really long time. And I wish them the best. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a tough market right now. It is. Um, it's uh, it's certainly not. Uh, it's not a market I'd want to have to be launching in right now. Not at all. It's, it, it, to me, I mean, I can't speak for them, but I, I, if I were them, I think I'd feel it feel like trying to launch an MMO like two years after World of Warcraft came out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the character-driven arena shooter has, I mean, by a lot of people's definition, has kind of been perfected already by Blizzard, and mm-hmm. so. Trying to reinvent that wheel is not easy, but I, I, I personally wish. And it's not. I mean, it's not like it was. It's not like a bad plan or anything on their no, part. It's like, not, it's like you, you not, could not foresee Overwatch when you started making this game three, four years ago. And you certainly couldn't foresee how huge it was going to no. become. <laughs> I mean, Overwatch is just gigantic. I went like thirty-four million people mm-hmm. now playing Overwatch. It's unreal. So it's no Hearthstone. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good luck, Boss Key. Really wish you the best with this game. I mm-hmm. hope it does well for you guys. Uh, you know, it's always brave. I can speak personally. It takes guts to strike out oh, and yeah. do something on your own. And I always kind of root for the little guys who are brave. Not that Cliff, even if Boss Key failed, would be hurting in any way, shape, or form. 
But there's a ton of people that work with him on Boss Key who have put oh, a yeah. lot into this who are not rich. And I know, you know? I know, I know. That's uh, you know, Cliff. I mean, people don't really know Cliff. Maybe you're like they've they've just seen his public persona, right? And like if you're a fan, which of is kind whatever. of a persona, sort of. I mean, but it's like you know, there's there's kind of like this perception that he's sort of a douche bro, sometimes. right? Right. But he really isn't. He isn't like, personally. Yeah. And like, I mean, when I talk to him at E3, like his biggest concern, I'm like, what is it? You know, what's it like running your own business? And now you're he's, he's like, he's like every single night. I lose sleep because I'm worried about all the families that depend on me to keep this place open and keep these people yeah. paid. Like that, that's his big that's his big big priority and big thing he worries about. He knows that's all on his shoulders. And a lot of people who run businesses don't think that way. Yeah, you're but right. Cliff is a really good man. So yeah, I like Cliff. I always have, and I do. So think- I ho- I hope this does really well for him. It's a scary, scary market right now, but I hope he breaks through whatever wall he needs to break through with this game and get it to people. I'm going to play it, so here's one person. Here's a fan. All right, so we've all we're going to talk next about Resident Evil. Resident Evil 7 obviously came out earlier in the year. I loved it. Uh, Most people seem to at least like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, A pretty big departure for the series again. Mm -hmm. Probably the next big change for the franchise since Resident Evil 4. Nestled in the middle there, though, between Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 4 was this little series called Resident Evil Revelations that started started (laughs) on the 3DS. Um, I just, oddly enough, this week... I forgot about it. I forgot that started on the 3DS. Oh, yeah. Oddly enough, this week, I went back and looked at my old review for Resident Evil Revelations on 3DS at Game Trailers. Uh, It's in the Game Trailers archive on YouTube that IGN now handles. And uh, I loved that game when it came out. I gave it a glowing review on the 3DS. And what really blew my mind the most, Matt, was the footage. It's 3DS footage. And even at, like, almost full screen to 720p, that game looked good still. Mm -hmm. Like, I started watching the video review, and I'm like, did GT go back and, like, put in, like, because it ended up coming out on the PlayStation 3, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, did GT go back and, like, recut this with PS3 footage? But no, sure enough, it was the 3DS footage. But I also would say that, you know, when I evaluated that game, it was being evaluated against other 3DS software. And truth be told, I mean, it is probably still one of the best 3DS games ever released. Um, it's a huge campaign. It was like 14 hours long. It had this really cool online element on it for the 3DS. Um, so I was really impressed with it back then. Now, let's fast forward. That was 2012, by the way. Mm. Let's fast forward to 2017. Um the other thing I should mention about this game is that it's a throwback. It goes back to kind of the old style of Resident Evil with the tank yeah. controls. It even has like the quick spin in it. But it does have uh, some nice modern quality of life upgrades that make it, like you see, like you don't have to wait for the load screen for the doors. Yeah, can, yeah, like, yeah, of course. Like, it's, uh, and that you never was know. Like, it, Although the 3DS version did use the doors as like load highs. Yeah. But uh, like you can see here, is this the this is the new one? This is the new one, yeah. So this, this is the PS4 slash Xbox One version. So you can see like this is pretty snappy for a classic Resident Evil. Game. It is for sure. Do you think it still has a place though in today's day and age? Eh, I mean, <laughs> does it matter? Not to me. I mean, I have Resident Evil Revelations One and Two on Steam. Yeah. I think I got them for like two bucks each or right. something from some like whatever sale they're on. And now you want me to pay forty bucks for a Switch version that doesn't even have the second one on the cartridge? That's what I'm asking. Ah, uh, no. Does it matter? Is it is I mean, it going to work? I don't. know. I mean, there's probably plenty of people that haven't played it. Well, look, um, it's not just Switch. So Resident Evil Revelations is coming out on PS4 and mm-hmm. Xbox One the last day of this month, the thirty-first. Mm-hmm. And then a compilation of both games coming to Switch later in the year, yeah. in the fall. Although that compilation is 
Resident Evil Revelations 1 is on the cartridge and you get a digital code you have to download for the, the second, second one. Yeah. Um, which is, hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know why, obviously. It's the cart size yeah, and the room. cost. Yeah, I mean, we're running into and that God issue. God forbid you put two cartridges in, this, in the box. Yeah, well, again, those carts cost a lot more carts, than it cost, cost to burn a disc. So, I mean, we've seen this all along with the Switch, where publishers have had to delay it or charge an extra $10 for the Switch mm-hmm. version of games. That's not that's nothing new, so. I mean, it's not, look, I probably would, I, I would probably actually think about buying Resident Evil 4 on the Switch if they put that out, yeah. which I'm sure they will. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> it's do I, coming. Do I care about a, a was it, a five-year-old game and a, what, three, four-year-old game at this point? Yeah. Like, on this, no. I never like, even played Revelations 2. Pretty good. It came out in the period in between where I left GT and was working on mm. the site, and I never did get a chance to play it. Was it as good as the first? Better than the first? Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not the person to ask about these things, but yeah. I thought I thought it was on par okay. for the most part. I didn't finish it, but I did. I did think it was fine. Uh, certainly for the like the three bucks I paid for, it, yeah. it, was, it was great. <laughs> for three dollars, um, it's hard to beat. Yeah. So I mean, it's like it's like look more content. That doesn't have equivalent on the Switch is always good. Yeah, like, there isn't anything else like this on the Switch. Um, you know, it's that's a good, it's a good choice. It's a good release. Uh, and again, I think you're going to see uh, uh, Capcom dig deep into its back catalog for stuff it can. Really, I think you'll see a lot of Resident Evil on it. I think, you know, obviously we've got Monster Hunter X coming. Um, well, only in Japan right now. Right, but I think eventually. I mean, eventually. And uh, part of me is kind of like. You think they'd go back and put all the Lost Planets on there? No. No? No, I don't think they'll do don't care about that? <laughs> I don't. I think, that period, I think that series is dead and buried, I think it's actually. dead and buried, but that doesn't mean they won't throw some ports on that thing. Yeah. The it's, other thing, too, about the, the Revelation games is they aren't... I mean, while they are a part of Resident Evil canon, a lot of times they don't really feel like Resident Evil games because mm. there, there are no zombies. You're always fighting those white, like, milky-like creatures. Yeah, weird monsters which and stuff. Resident Evil 4, obviously, didn't right. have traditional zombies either but um it, yeah i think i think resident evil has um has earned its itself to be more has earned its it, it's the, the right to call itself more than just a zombie game i think, yeah. I think it's it's got so it's had so many weird things well re7 so, re7 doesn't really have zombies seven, i mean really uh re5 yeah didn't, didn't have like there was i mean there's like towns full of you know like like world war z style zombies right. or the movie world war z style yeah. But like, you know, the, the things I remember from Resident Evil Five are like the weird things with the uh, like the, the 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 hive monster yeah, sort yeah. of things, or like uh, in Resident Evil Four, the, the those jerks that would like spit all the all the spikes would pop out and stuff. Like that, those are the mem- of the liquors from Resident Evil Two, like yeah, the non-zombie is, characters, are the memorable. Well, you pop their heads off, and then those crazy tentacles would come up yeah. out. Like, <laughs> RE Four is so good, man. It is. It really is just one of the best games ever. Um, I wouldn't mind them going back to that universe that type of game for the next Resident Evil. I do feel like it's kind of just become like generic survival horror game at this mm. point. Like it's kind of lost its theme a little bit. I, I mean, part of, if they want to do the stuff where like Chris Redfield is punching boulders apart and stuff, I, mean, <laughs> I, I kind of wish they'd just go full Dino Crisis 2 with it. You remember Dino Crisis yeah. 2 where it was like, well, Crisis, Dino Crisis 1 was basically Resident Evil with, with dinosaurs. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Dino Crisis 2 was an action game mm-hmm. that happened to use a lot of the same technological tricks as Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, and I really like Dino Crisis 2. Uh, Dino Crisis 3 never happened. Um, <laughs> well, it, act like it didn't. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was. That was, that was I remember Blair Butler was so disappointed by that. When well, that they always out. do lists of like games that killed franchises. That, oh, that one should be top three, every list. With a bullet. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> for sure. With the bullet that killed its franchise, yeah. no question. Um, but I can see, you know, I, it's it's a fine choice, I guess. Uh, it's at least something that probably, not, if you haven't already played this game, it's probably not one of those games you have like four of copies of it. So it's 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 not a bad idea. But I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay forty bucks for them no. because you can get them for like five bucks together on Steam. Yeah, you know? I don't know if anymore. Now that they're well, wait for the out, next sale. They're Capcom always will probably put the price back up. I don't. I don't. They won't do that on Steam. Yeah. No. Like they'll just it. it I th- I don't even know if I paid directly for them. It might have been like I wanted Resident Evil Four and they came in five or something on PC and they came in like a like a Resident Evil bundle that right. day or something. Like they're they're not games I ever sought out to own, but they're the games I ended up with because they were so cheap. It didn't make sense to remove them right. from the cart. Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, that is clearly not the case with these remasters uh, for PS4 and uh, Switch and Xbox. Xbox, Xbox One, yeah. I mean, if you if you're starving for classic Resident Evil's uh, action and you haven't which played some people them, maybe at this point you haven't point, played yeah. these before, like you can do a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of the best of the old school tank control Resident Evil games. Yeah, if you wipe all the nostalgia away that you have for like the first right. three games and just look at them purely as yeah, which we'll have a, a longer conversation about if and when that Resident Evil Two remake ever happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, they say it's still in development. So. Yeah, they've been saying that for a while. Yeah, they have, and we haven't really seen much <laughs> of it in like two years. Wasn't at E3 again, so... All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Mario. And when I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about sort of cultural things mm. related to another game, this is what I was talking about. So the cover for Super Mario Odyssey for the Switch... Uh, had been released a couple weeks ago, and then just this week, suddenly, there was a brand new cover mm-hmm. uh, that Nintendo unveiled. Sam, will you put up that uh, that image there? So if you look down on the very bottom left of both covers, what do you see is different there? Well, uh, Mario on the right, the right side in the lower left corner, they replaced the picture of him wearing the stereotypical Mexican sombrero. <laughs> With scuba diving Mario. Yeah, well... Um, and so the one on the right... Another the... thing you can do in Mexico, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. You're absolutely right. Uh, the one on the right is the final box art, the new box art. The one on the left is the old one. Matt, what, everything else is identical, by the mm-hmm. way, if you look at that box art. That is the only thing that has been changed. Matt, why well, do you... Well, it got, it got its rating. Yeah, that's... E10. <laughs> Anybody under 10, don't play this Mario game. Well, that's hard, hardcore violence. Well, that's what that's something else we want to talk about. The fact that it's the first ever Mario game to get an E10, but well, the others just straight E. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's talk about the fact that the sombrero Mario has been removed from the box art. First of all, he's a big part of the game. Well, he was all through the E3 footage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he is like he's not just like this character you play as for one little section of the game and like then he's gone. Mm-hmm. It, it's a huge part of the actual video game that you're going to be playing, Matt. Why would they remove that from the box? Because there are people who think like using, using and a nice job, Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> using like the classical sombrero and the uh, and kind of the poncho serapi thing is uh, <laughs> kind of a cultural appropriation thing, or not a it's not appropriate, and they don't want to offend people, so they took it off. Do you think it's not appropriate though? I think if you're trying to sell this game to as many people as possible, it costs you nothing to not offend somebody who might be offended by it. But they're gonna play this, and they're gonna. Yeah, well, now they, then they've got their money, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but don't you think there'll be, like, a huge uproar? If people really are going to get mad about it, don't you think there's going to be a huge uproar about it once they play it anyway? 
I mean, aren't you just trying to avoid, like, yeah, negative least, PR? Yeah, but at least then you probably aren't going to have your uh, stores pulling the quote-unquote offensive cover from the shelves. Yeah, I guess you're right. At least like, you don't have to remanufacture uh, the product least, at that it point. It gives you another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they have to play it to get offended. How about that? <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Actually, I think the 2D version of it might be a little more offensive. The 2D version the might cross a line. You're right. That's That one is a little... Um, it's funny how once you put that in 2D, the mustache gets way worse You're in that right. content. It's You're, a huge difference. Like, all of a sudden, it's like speedy Mario Gonzalez or something there. Maybe I am starting to understand now why uh, why people were offended by this. Because at first, I don't, I was think, just I don't like, know if anyone has been offended by it, but somebody might have just in focus group testing might have said something. They're like, "Hey, you might want a no, no, no," and like, yeah. and Mario and Nintendo was like, "Well, let's take it off the cover." At well, least, it's like you usually know? a lot of like the social SJW crap or whatever. I just blow it off, and I'm like, whatever. But this one, maybe I can see it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the, you, look. I'm not going to say anything. There it is there again. There it is again. Yeah. <laughs> I, it looks like a... Like, I'm not even going to make any jokes ad. about that because it's just too dangerous. It like, it's really just like, is. look at that. It's, yeah. it's... Yeah. But this isn't coming out of the game. Like, no, that's not... They're going to change that, but it's <laughs> like, if you, if you paid for the game, you're already, you're already in. You're already guilty. Do you think Nintendo might remove this stuff? It's too late, isn't it? I think There's it's no too way late. it can change it now. Although I will say... I mean, I don't think this is crazy. I mean, and it's like, I don't know of anyone who's complaining. It's not like this footage isn't out there. It's not like there it's aren't... It's been out like, there forever, It's yeah. not like there aren't Mexican-Americans who play video games and haven't watched E3. I didn't see any complaints along those lines. No, you're right. That's so, a good like, point. So maybe it's a non-issue and Nintendo's just being overly cautious. Just playing I don't know. it safe. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I guess it's possible that... I don't know. I guess it's, I guess it's possible that it could happen, and it could end up being like that thing where um, I really like the transition from two D to three D. Yeah, it's really slick. Um, the I guess it's possible it could end up being like that thing with um, what would you, what would you call it? Uh, uh, Little Big Planet had that like that was like the first the first edition of it had like a different song because it had like an Islamic prayer in it right. or something. Yeah, there's been lots of games that had like and so like they patched it to get rid of it. So then yeah. like the original one's the only way you can ever hear that again. Right. So, so so maybe that could happen with this, where like the only way to play Mario Odyssey with the original sombrero is to have an unmodified launch copy or something at some point. But yeah. I feel like it's not. It's it's it might be kind of a thing where people are like, really, guys. Come on, like yeah. may, maybe tone it down next time. But I feel like it doesn't. doesn't it's probably not to recall the game and change the code issue. But yeah, I don't know. What about the fact that the game is E10 plus for the first time ever, Mario? My Man. theory on that is that because maybe some violence or some things can happen to the realistic-looking people in New Donk City, that that puts the rating higher. Because you can interact with them and or jump on them or potentially yeah. like yeah, jump. I, th on I them think or... I think potential violence. <laughs> That's to real... where they draw the line. You gotta be so. ten. I mean, well, you gotta it's... be ten to butt stomp a human <laughs> being. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be ten to, to 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 steal a man's hat. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's it. In New York City. Maybe it really is yeah. just something so stupid. It's like, well, you're stealing stuff, but you're steal you're ste or actually, I mean, you're stealing their body, right? By sticking your hat on them, and maybe that's it. The whole possession part of it. There is, I mean, there is a little body horror to that. Very mild, yeah. early John Carpenter there yeah. <laughs> uh, to that. It's, I mean, that would be my guess. That like the the fact that you can cause violence or distress to realistic looking human beings would. Maybe put the because some of the ratings things. I mean, if if there's any red blood, you get an M. Yeah, obviously I mean, there's no blood in this. It's like uh, 
you know, some, some of the some of the kind of the hardline this gets you this rating thing in all rating systems, not just the ASRB, are really weird. Yeah, and really fun. It's like. Um, I don't think any parent's going to not buy this for their kid because it's an E10 either. No, I don't... Like, I don't honestly, I think the whole you see E10 the e, rating is I, just stupid. There's I think, no point... No, I think the E10, E10 rating... The E10 rating is just a way for the ESRB to, to cover their ass a little extra. I don't I think guess. anyone looks at the E and differentiates between them. I yeah. mean, if a 10-year-old can handle it, an 8-year-old can handle it. Let's not be... Or ridiculous. a 5-year-old, yeah. like... I mean, it's Mario. It is Mario. I'm baffled. There's not going to be a sex scene. It's no. going to be, you know, he's not going to rip anybody's it spine out. It could be out. Sonic 2006 all over well, that, again. I mean, that's a whole different... I wonder what that game got as an ESRB rating, actually. Maybe someone in the chat could look it up really quickly. If Sonic 2006 got an E10 or if it was just a... Uh... Or if it was just an E rating. Because he actually kisses a, a person, right? Yeah, a human. the hum, human princess kisses him or something yeah. and brings him back to life or something. <laughs> hey, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I gave up trying to understand the Sonic fan. I didn't even know like the, the, the Archie comic ended last month yeah. after running for 25 years straight. Isn't that That's crazy? Amazing. I thought it ran far longer than that, though. Yeah, it started in 92. Because, look, when I was a kid, my aunt... Mm-hmm. Collected Archie comics, but they were like little like graphic novels though. Those are the, are the those are the digests. Yeah, those were long. Those ran for a long time, long ago. Well, those are the like the Archie actual. I mean Archie's Sonic comic. Oh, got you, got you. Ar- there was a so Archie his Archie comics published a Sonic comic starting in 1992, oh, and it just ended last month. <laughs> Twenty five years. Wow. Great. I mean, it, it's got the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest video game. Comic Which means ever. people were buying it. Oh yeah, Sonic's who. Sonic. Sonic fans. Sonic fans are, are a quiet, larger than you think. E10 for Sonic 2006, everyone's saying. Thanks, everybody. Uh, yeah, I bet that. I mean, again, I'm sure the fact that it has realistic looking humans yeah, is, that might is be the thing. The line where the, where the ESRB draws it in the sand. That and hat theft. Yeah. Hat theft is a, it's a very serious problem in the, the urban over- areas. <laughs> of, I don't know. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about the next topic very briefly. Uh, today, this is really odd. I, just do, I do enjoy that there might be like, a, like an uproar over the Italian stereotype looking like a Mexican stereotype <laughs> yeah. at some point. It's like... <laughs> that is funny. It's like, it's like Nintendo just sort of trades in easy iconography, yeah, let's, let's say. So. Nobody cares that he's like the worst stereotype of an, yeah. of an Italian man. That's okay. <laughs> well... The Italians, the Italians haven't had it as tough in this country, we could say. That's true. That is 100% true. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Destiny 2. This is a very... We're not going to talk about this very long, but uh, today it was announced that Destiny 2, if you want to stream Destiny 2 using mm-hmm. OBS and XSplit, that you will be restricted on being able to use overlays while you stream. Didn't Persona 5 teach us anything? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, try to, don't, try to, don't try to contain the streamers. Yeah, people. and that makes no sense whatsoever. They'll kill you dead. One, I don't understand. They're the clubber lang of the game, game community. Yeah, one, I don't understand how they're going to be able to prevent people from doing it. Oh, like the, what, can't, the overlay thing? Yeah, you can't use an overlay with OBS and... Yeah, I don't know how, uh, you, I, how do you stop that? That seems like something that's a little beyond the HDCP's ability to detect. Yeah, yeah. I don't get that. I, I don't mean, know. I don't know how that happens. One, how. Two, why. You want you want to make your game as accommodating as possible to streamers, particularly games like Destiny and Destiny 2. I mean, these are games that people play forever that a Twitch streamer will pick up, and that will be the only thing that they play. And they will build a huge audience based around that because that's the one game they play, and the people that watch it love Destiny or love Destiny 2. 
I, I can't understand the logic behind this in any way, shape, or form. Financially, culturally, socially, it makes zero sense. You're basically telling streamers who have streamed a certain way and whose audience have come to know them for streaming as a certain way and appreciate the way that they stream that they're not going to be able to stream that way anymore. It, I'm baffled by this. Um, mm. This is a community-driven game, particularly after everyone finishes a campaign. I mean, that's what it's all about at that point, is finding rare loot and how do you... I guess the chat's saying that the anti it's anti-cheat and it blocks anything that interacts with the game and OBS and XSplit Game Capture does interact with the game somehow. So Interesting. The so theoretically, you could insert some kind of cheat de cheat device into it, ah. doing, that, doing it that way. But why? That is not something I think you can really do if you're playing it on like streaming it from PS4. Why or... just Destiny though? I don't know. Cause, cause <laughs> if Bungie... it's really like some anti-cheating thing, why aren't all games using it? Mm. <laughs> Bungie cares more. That doesn't I don't seem know. to add up. I'm not saying they're wrong, but that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Hmm. I don't have, I don't I don't know enough about I don't stream stuff so right. I don't know any of that. I didn't even know that OBS was affecting games when you stream the game. That seems weird to me How's but that I, don't, even possible? I don't know anything about how that works so Even if you think that it's opening up a, a loophole Most companies for whitelist OBS and XSplit they say. Interesting. But, even, that, but apparently Bungie just isn't. You would think though if you're Doing a cost-benefit analysis of this, maybe... Erebus Jones suggests there's going to be some kind of exclusive streaming deal. Uh, that, that, and, and this is part of Bungie's attempt to control that. Like, that could that makes sense. Like with Beam or something? Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, mm. I can see Microsoft striking deals like that because it's trying to get Beam yeah. off the ground. Uh, Beam, by the way, does look really freaking awesome. Have you checked it out yet? No. It's really impressive. Like, the stuff that it can do. I mean, in a lot of ways, it really kind of puts Twitch to shame, to be perfectly honest. But it doesn't matter. It's so hard to get people off a service where they're making their living to go somewhere else where they have to rebuild their entire audience all over again. Um, and so maybe this is something that Microsoft would do to try to circumvent something mm -hmm. like that? Well, it's like... Um... I mean, in theory, if, if this is if it's more about OBS and how it does and interacts with the game's code and overlays and stuff, uh, theoretically, streaming streaming programs that don't do that, like uh, should be okay. Like the thing that comes with Nvidia, like Shadowplay and stuff yeah. like that, that should be okay. Right. So, it, it I'm ba uh, baffles me. This whole subject baffles me. I have no idea why they would do it. One, how they can do it. Two, I just. OBS doesn't interact with your game. Like, it's not going into the code of the game and doing something. No? No. I mean, it's just... It's just like an overlay system for your streams. It's like a... It's like the cheapest, most simple version of a TriCaster, is all it is. Like, a, whatever, I'm, when I'm playing a game on the TriCaster, it's not interacting with the game in any way, or working with the game's code. Uh, I'm at complete loss for this. I have no idea why uh, why this is happening, but no matter what, I think it's not a good idea, and I think it's ultimately going to limit the the appeal and the social sort of uh, hooks of your game. It's going to keep streamers from playing mm -hmm. it. I mean, most streamers do use OBS. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you can use OBS to to do something or, or you know incorporate a cheat device or incorporate a cheat system and if they want to block that from their MMO kind of stuff. I mean, look, 
You can't fault them for it. Right. If there's one thing the Destiny players proved is we will use any possible exploit we can think of to get what we want. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember the loot cave The loot cave, yeah. Um... (laughs) And Bungie, but Bungie was kind of cool with the Luke Cave for a nah, while. No, they shut that down pretty quick. I thought really. they let it run for like a week before they yeah. really patched it out. But like, I mean, still, they patched it out. Eventually, yeah. Might have just taken them that long to figure it out. That could be. But uh, I can see it's trying to keep the playing field level as best they can. Like, I get it. It's probably not a great PR move, but I'm sure they discussed that. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, maybe I we should have some more information it, so. on this before we talked about it on Game Face. But Sounds like it. It was one of those things that just popped in right before like we, I was doing like organizing all the materials for the show. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so maybe we should have held it for next week when we have more information. But I just thought it was worth bringing up. But uh, it looks like the chat is having a good time with it. So maybe it was mm-hmm. the right move to talk about it now. Uh, next we're going to talk about Fortnite. This is a game I have been playing pretty much all week. Uh, the first thing I want to say about Fortnite right out of the top is Fortnite costs $40 right now. If you wait till the end of the year, it's free to play. Hmm. <laughs> Think about that. And, like, we know this. Like, they've announced yeah, this. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's well-known. It's not a secret or anything like that. Um, hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen a model like that before, by the way, where something... They're is re- announced They're beforehand. really leaning on the fear of missing out syndrome. It's era. almost like predicting the game is going to fail before it's yeah. ever released. Because that's usually what happens is you put up a game for sale, it doesn't do well, it switches to free-to-play. This, In this case, it's the plan all along. Um, as I said in the show open, I'm a huge tower defense person. I love tower defense games. I don't know why. Maybe it's the micro-tasking. Um, just the, the time management part of it, I don't know. I Just for whatever reason, it always resonates with me um this is a tower defense game at its core it's a tower defense game but there's a bunch of other elements that are kind of layered over top uh the biggest one is resource gathering Mm. so you have a pickaxe essentially a pickaxe um and you need to go and beat up trees and rocks and machines and bushes to collect resources uh there are three main resources but then these other kind of little other gadgety things that you need to collect to actually build like your traps and things like that. And how the game works is um, once you kind of make it through the first basic tutorial thing, you go into a lobby, you get matched up with three other people, then you all go out to the instance, um, the session. It's not like an open world that's always living and breathing. You warp in and out uh, with each session with new players if you want to. Uh, So what happens at first is you just are kind of plunked down into the instance and you start mining. You start gathering resources because eventually you're going to need to build uh, defenses. Obviously, it's a tower defense game. Um, Once you, they give you like a little bit of a grace period to do this. Just collect crap. Um, All the stuff that you're going to ultimately need to craft uh, the defenses. And then eventually it will say, okay, Something has happened, the map will, it'll, an icon will pop up on the map, and you need to go over to where everything is actually happening. And the other part about this is that the other people in there with you can just completely ignore what's going on. Hmm. So if you, like, essentially what happens is you have, the whole plot behind the game is the world has been taken over by these storms. And with these storms come these weird, like, zombie creatures. And you open up sort of these portals that can push back the storm, essentially. And what you have to do is, you, while you're waiting for that portal to take full effect and push back the storm, you have to defend that portal. So that's sort of the basic setup of the, of the entire game. Um, 
So once like the instance starts after you've had that brief period of collecting like all your resources and everything like that, then you actually go to the portal, you activate it. Sometimes you need to collect these blue orbs to sort of power it up and activate it. And then once you activate it, it just turns into a straight up tower defense game where you're just defending that orb. Um, and there's like buffs, like what you're seeing right there is like, are these little terminals that you can also feed those blue orbs to that will give you like your team a boost or it will increase the hit points of, of the portal that you have to protect. Um, so there's all these sort of little side mechanics built into the game, into the game as well. That gives you also incentive to explore the world beyond just finding where the portal is and just waiting for the instance to start. Um, the building in the game, it, it, the learning curve is kind of steep. Um, you know, I've been playing it on PlayStation 4. It's probably a lot easier to get a handle on on PC where you have a lot more keys available. Mm. Um, but you use the whole controller on the PlayStation 4 and then some. And then there are like context sensitive things like sometimes hitting the triangle does one thing, but once you're in build mode, it, it actually opens up like the traps menu. Um, ammo in this game can be pretty scarce. But you can also craft ammo. But there are plenty of times in this game when you're in the middle of defending uh, the portal where you run out of ammo and you're forced to start using like your melee weapons or some of your higher-powered weapons. Um, the building of stuff, once you kind of figure out the interface and how it works, is pretty easy and painless. Um, but it does take a while. Like Once you're in the building mode, you have to hit square to bring up the traps and then each trap has to be crafted and then you have to and then once it's crafted you bring it out into the world and you have to place it um it's not exactly elegant i guess is the best way mm. i would describe kind of the whole tower defense setup and crafting and building a lot of the the things you need to build um, but there is a lot of strategy to it because each portal is different like the one you're seeing right now is like a hot air balloon and you're waiting for the hot air balloon to land um, and sometimes it's just a building that you have to protect, or sometimes it's just an object, object that just sits there stable. Um, some, like this balloon, for instance, it comes down, and once it lands, you can see there's a countdown there. Uh, the balloon lands in like mm -hmm. nine minutes or whatever. So you have like nine minutes to kind of build up the defenses around this area where it's going to land. Um, and then once it lands, it's a time-based thing for, in this particular instance, where you, it's, it's uploading or downloading data. And so you get different increments of data at different points of time, essentially. Um, and sometimes it's just like, hey, defend this thing for 20 minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's more split up and a little more granular, like the one that we're watching right now. Um, but here you can see I'm actually applying the trap. Um, and there is a vast variety of traps that you can use. There, the one I just put there is like a dart, uh, a dart gun that attaches to a wall and will shoot darts at enemies. Uh, some you, are, are spike traps that you put on the ground. Um, so when the, when the creatures walk onto it, it jumps up and, and attacks them. Um, and then you can repair stuff. On the PS4, you click the right stick, and there's a meter there that'll fill up slowly as you repair whatever uh, object your cursor is on. Uh, there's a lot to manage. And like I said earlier, people can come and go. And the game doesn't really scale based upon how many people mm. are there. Uh, so you can get caught in a situation where you start an instance and the, the enemies are pouring in, and then people just take off. And maybe so they need to go get resources so they can craft more bullets for their guns or whatever. Um, but they'll leave. And then that can really leave you in a lurch because suddenly you're, it's two people trying to uh, thwart off waves of enemies instead of the four. Um, so there's, 
maybe some balance issues there. But what's really shocked me the most about this game is the loot system in it. The loot system in this game is insane, Matt. And one thing I will say about paying for this um, instead of getting it for free later is you get a lot for $40. Like literally, when I first booted this game up, I just sat there for like 30 minutes collecting loot. And loot comes in a bunch of different varieties. So sometimes loot is just resources or whatever. But you also get uh, new characters to play as as loot. You get these things called survivors. And they're like these character cards, essentially, where you can build these squads that, uh, that help you gather resources that are, again, completely separate from the resources that you use in-game. And I know this is getting incredibly confusing, and that's actually the point. This game is really confusing. <laughs> it does not explain hardly anything. And look, eventually you get it. I've been playing it for hours and hours now, and I've kind of come to grips with everything. But there's so many systems in the game that it never really explains. The tutorial really teaches you only just how to build the base, hmm. how to use the, how to collect resources, how to then use those resources to create walls and floors and traps, and then how to ultimately set those. It doesn't go into kind of all the subsystems that are related to the loot that you get after completing missions. And it, it's really just kind of a feeling out process as you try to figure it all out. So the loot that you get is that like you upgrade your character with it? Or you You can yep, so you can you can upgrade your character with it. There's two there's two different skill trees. There's one for basic abilities like uh, combat, defense, uh, fortifications. And then there's this whole other tech skill tree that you level up as well. And based upon the, the, the sort of the crews that you build with the survivor cards that you collect, those, those crews then sort of underneath the hood go out and collect other resources that you can, that you can spend on building out your tech, building new traps for in-game stuff. It's really insane. Um, but my real problem with this, and look, generally with systems, even if they're not taught very well, eventually you're glad they're there because you figure it all out on your own and ultimately the more depth the game has, the better. And I agree with that with this game as well. While it doesn't do a great job of explaining or teaching uh, what you're supposed to be doing or what all these systems do or how they tie into each other and what the benefits are of actually working with them are, it all comes down ultimately to what's it like to play the game. And... The actual playing of this game, the shooting and the waves of enemies that come at you, is so mundane and so repetitive. It looks pretty bleh. It is the same... I mean, these two enemy types that you're seeing right now, these skinny quote-unquote zombies and the fat guy, you fight those things over and over and over again. And then generally, every couple instances, they'll introduce one like unique enemy. Uh, one that can throw bombs on top of your base or can throw it over a wall so it lands on what you're trying to protect and so it can take hit points off of it. But for the most part, you're just shooting the, you're circle strafing this in this game just constantly. And after like six or seven hours of it, I was just like, man, I, I think I've had enough. Um, there's just not enough nuances to the gameplay. Um, and then ultimately I got a little frustrated too with having to constantly manage your ammo. Your ammo runs out really easily and when you, and to, craft new ammo which you can just do on the fly which i think is really cool you just basically hold the reload button instead of reloading you hold it and it will automatically craft weapons for whatever gun you have but the materials that you use to craft the bullets are like the most rare materials in the game you don't use like wood and rock to craft the bullets you have to find like 
electronic parts from like cars and, and machinery to craft your bullets. So there's lots of times, and it's, it wasn't just me, where you have no bullets for any of your guns and you're just pulling out like your melee weapon and just hacking and slashing. And I will say that the, the melee weapons are weighted high enough so that you're not like having to chop an enemy like 8 million times to kill it or whatever, but you also are much more susceptible to getting hit. That said, I have never died in this game. Hmm. Never. Not once. Because the other part of it too is that you or your teammates can craft healing pads that you can just then plop down on the ground. Anytime you use a little bit of health, you just run over the healing pad and stand there, and you're right back at full health. So I feel like the systems in the game are great. There's a lot of depth there. Um, the loot system is crazy, and you can totally see how this game is eventually going for you to play because the loot system really drives the entire game. But the actual playing of the game is far too cumbersome. Like, I haven't found a really challenging stage yet to play yet, but I'm imagining that it's coming. I've played... I don't know. It, it appears I'm about halfway through the whole cam, the whole campaign at this point. And I would imagine eventually it's going to become difficult. And between the boring gunplay and the somewhat archaic base building mechanics, and again, a big part of it is that I'm playing it on a controller. These games are much more better suited for uh, PC, I believe, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, and there's one of the special enemies. It's like a baseball, and they can throw a baseball that will actually go over the wall Instead of these guys who just trudge towards the wall and then try to, like, beat the wall up, these guys actually have projectiles. And then, like, as time goes on, you end up getting more and more of these more unique enemies. And they also take more health if they hit you, blah, blah, blah. But the actual play of this game is not all that fun, not all that intuitive, and does not work especially well with a controller. Um, so I'm kind of torn on this game. I would not recommend buying this for 40 bucks. I think, is, what I'm, is what's most important. Um... It could get better. In a lot of ways, I feel like I'm beta testing a game mm. that I paid for. And uh, it has been in development for a long it has. time. Yeah, a really long time. And uh, and now I'm, and it's still rough. Like, uh, sometimes you try to join the game, and you have to sit in queue waiting to get on the servers. The longest wait I had was nine minutes waiting to get on a server. Jeez. Once you're on the server, you're golden. You're good. Um, you're, you're in there until you drop or you quit or whatever. But, yeah, there are queues already for this game waiting to get in to play the game. I saw a report yesterday that 500,000 people are playing it right now, um, which isn't that many. You would think they'd have enough servers ready uh, for that kind of a load, but apparently not. So I've sat in queues. I've had lots of errors, uh, like connecting, because it's, it's one of those things where Epic wants you to connect your PSN account with their Epic account. And I've had a lot of dropouts mm. where I've tried. And the crappy part, too, is that a lot of times you wait in queue you finally make it all the way to the end of the queue, and then it tries to do the authentication with, with Epic, and it drops. And then you have to start all over again and wait in queue again. So there are definitely some rough edges to this game. It's not a particularly good-looking game. Um, no, it looks like... It almost looks like a Plants vs. Zombies spinoff. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it was made four or five years ago, yeah. which it was. That's when it was started. Uh, the one thing I will say is the characters are pretty good. Um, as far as we are talking about like character-driven games... And the one thing I will say is that the, the characters in this are very unique and different, and you can tell the difference in them from a distance. Uh, they're certainly not even in the same league as a game like Overwatch. Uh, but I think they do do a good enough job of providing enough personality uh, that when this game does go free-to-play, that there are people who will be willing to pay real cash to, uh, to unlock new characters. Um, but the other part of it, too, is that and I would say maybe it's because I got, I'm got i a founder, quote-unquote, and I got this huge DLC drop like right out of the gate, is that there's just so much loot 
that it almost starts to lose its importance after a while. Like, I've played not even half the game, and I already have just literally almost 100 uh, support characters. I've unlocked almost the whole roster of playable characters already. I have more weapons than I could ever want to use. And you can break them down for parts if you need to for crafting and things like that. But here you can see after this match, look at the loot that I'm getting here. It's just like chest after chest after chest. And that's just one part of the loot system. So after this, you'll get your loot for finishing the match. But then you also get like these, these llama pinatas that are literally llama pinatas. And it goes to this weird screen where you hit them with like a hammer or whatever. And they like cry, which was funny and made me laugh. But, like, from one llama sometimes, there's levels, there's, like, bronze, silver, gold. If you get a gold llama, you sit there for literally five minutes collecting all the loot. And they know it, too, because you can hold the X button and it fast forwards mm. to, like, the loot collection. And I feel like when you're giving away that much loot, a lot of times it just starts to lose its impact. Like, it got to the point eventually where I wasn't even looking at the loot I was getting anymore. I was just holding the X button until I got it all. And then just going to the page that shows it all where it's sorted by power level. So you can figure out if you actually got something worth getting. Hmm. Um, the loot is a little unbalanced, too. Like, after my second main mission, <clears throat> I got a machine gun that literally just kills every enemy in, like, two hits. And so that made it, like, so simple and so easy. You're seeing this gun right now, by the way. It just mows down enemies, like, with literally, like, a couple bullets. And it just takes all... It makes already a really easy game all that much easier. So... It's been a long wait for this game. And you see that enemy just clip through the wall. Yeah, Yeah, like I said, it's rough. You know, it's not... It's hard to... Again, again, it's hard to believe that this game has been in development this long. And this is kind of the quality level that it's at, to be honest. And the fact that they're making people pay for it. This is another game that... uh, Probably should have just been free to play from the start. To be yeah, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna buy a game that uh, is gonna be free to play eventually, it sounds like Lawbreakers is the way to go this week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, and and that's what I would say. I mean, the loot that you get Lawbreakers is cheaper. Is too. pretty insane. I mean, I did get like a crazy assault rifle that just mows down enemies right out of the gate. But is that what you want? Do you want a weapon that just makes the whole game a cakewalk? Like paying money for? I I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of the whole that whole business model, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I mean, and in some ways, I would say that this is kind of a pay-to-win scenario. Mm. I mean, you're paying the 40 bucks up front. One, you're getting access before anybody else. So you're going to be so leveled up, and you're going to be a complete destroyer by the time everybody else jumps into the game. But can you see yourself coming back to this in, like, January? No way. No way. I mean, I'm already kind of burnt out on it, to be honest, because it's like... This is the reason why I'm a gameplay-first guy, Matt. This is why mm-hmm. I always put gameplay above everything else, because all the frivolities don't matter if the game is not fun to play. And it's so easy. The enemies just march in a line towards you. They don't really have AI, so to speak. Like, there's sometimes where they just, like, flat out don't even recognize that you're there. So, I don't know what took all the time for this game. Uh, it's not especially polished. It's rough around the edges. Um, the loot system still needs a lot of tweaking, and I'm sure that's why we're paying to beta test it right now, so they can figure mm-hmm. out all those algorithms and the math behind that stuff. But I do not rec- recommend spending forty dollars for this game at all. Uh, wait until it's free to play. <coughs> Although I will say that that wait is a, a good ways off. It's not like next week or next month or anything. It's like Q4 is when uh, the game goes free to play for everybody else. So I'm a big tower defense guy. I feel like the tower defense options in it are way too archaic and way more so than they need to be. I can kind of understand why Epic did it that way because obviously you want the game to have longevity and you want those systems to have depth. 
but I just found them to be annoying and hard to work with when there's actually like a match going on. It's mm-hmm. fine when you have that grace period before everything starts, but once the actual monsters start rolling in, like it's it's just way too slow and cumbersome to actually have an impact. So, and there you can see right there is a heel pad. It's like <laughs> it's, mm. the chances of dying in this game are like slim to none. Uh, so, I had fun with it for a while. But after a few hours, and things just weren't changing quickly enough, and weren't becoming challenging quickly enough, early enough, I started to lose my interest. I kept playing because I wanted to have a more informed p- opinion before I talked about it on Game Face, but not necessarily because I wanted to. So, and in fact, the last couple hours, I was like, I should be playing Tacoma instead of this. So, there you go, folks. My opinion of Fortnite. I don't know if any of you guys have been playing it. Did you see in the chat if anyone had been giving no, it a whirl? Mostly people seem to be asking to get it off the screen. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I guess that should not have been the last topic <laughs> of this game phase then, but it is kind of the biggest game that came out this week, except for maybe Tacoma. Yeah, I didn't get to Tacoma. I wanted to, but it was just uh, it was a busy week. It's only three hours long, Tacoma. Hmm. So, not much of a commitment. Well, it's the gone home people. Yeah, between one of us, I think we'll get through it the next week and we'll talk about it. We're actually, you're not here next week. I'm not here next week. That's so right. You'll have to do it. Yeah. Or you can wait for me. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever you want. I don't think we want to wait that long for a three-hour indie game. Probably not. One thing that was interesting today, though, someone reported that you can finish Tacoma without doing anything. The game can start, and you can just stand there, and eventually hours. the game ends. Hmm. Without doing anything. All right. Indies. <laughs> And it was by design. It wasn't like a glitch or a flaw. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like the developers were like, "Yeah, we left that in there." And then originally the game had an achievement for doing that. Oh, and they screw ended up, you! And they ended up <laughs> they ended up taking it out because they didn't want to force people to just, just stand there the whole time to finish the game. So, all right, that's it, folks. It's time to get to our trailer of the week. As always, this is your time to get questions into the chat. I'm sure you guys are all relieved that Fortnite is no longer uh, being <laughs> talked about on the hmm. show. Uh, our trailer of the week this week is a VR game, and I don't feel like we talk about VR enough on the show, one, and two, we definitely don't, I don't think we've ever had a trailer of the week for VR other than Resident Evil 7, mm-hmm. which, hybrid, not a straight up VR game. This is Ark Park VR, <laughs> I should have called it Ark Park VR, but it's Ark Park VR, it's a VR spinoff of Ark Survival Evolved. Evolved. Um, and at first when they showed this, I thought this was another one of those VR, like, just walk around mm-hmm. and pet the dinosaur, and maybe you stumble across an egg and the dinosaur gets mad and roars in your face. No, this is actually a first-person shooter, and it looks absolutely stunning. One of the best VR games I've ever laid eyes on. It's coming out for PlayStation VR, Vive, and Oculus Rift, so no matter what HMD you've got, you'll be able to play this game. I think it may be a time exclusive on one or the other, though, so... Give it a look, people. I was really impressed with this.
I'm assuming that was not the PlayStation VR version in that probably trailer. Probably not. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely Vive or Rift at the... Probably yeah. Vive. Yeah, well, I mean, it, if you're not running it through the headset, you can run it at whatever you want. Oh, that's so. a good point, yeah. It's, you can crank uh, it up. It might just be the, the engine running without uh, whatever considerations it has to take into account for the headset. That's a little deceptive. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little shady. Look, I've used my Vive enough to know that it ain't going to look like that. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, I mean, might look like that raw, but right. it's not going to look like that through the actual lenses. Game looks good though. Looks good. Yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably try it. Still waiting for that uh, VR killer app, by the way. That's probably not it. Yep. Uh, we got tons of questions in here already. Um, the one Geo. If you could relive any gaming generation, which generation would it be? Oh. Hmm. Does that mean we get to go back in time, too? Yeah, I, guess, I don't know. Because <laughs> like, if that's the case, I'll just go all the way back to the first console I ever had so I can just start all over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I don't really go so much by generation. I think I would like to relive the original uh, early 90s fighting game arcade boom. Yeah. That was a, lot, that was a, a good time. Um, other than that, like maybe it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't mind like, going through the... Uh, I wouldn't mind going through the uh, the first wave of, of 3D again, like yeah. the N64 PS1. That it was, was mind-blowing at the time, yeah. I mean, I think I would go back to the 16-bit era, because that was the point where I had become old enough where I was getting it, mm. and I wasn't just like, I love every video game ever. I started to figure out like what good games and bad games were, uh, and I started to kind of learn what was going into making the really good games the good games. Uh, and so I think that was where I became aware mm -hmm. of kind of what was going on behind the scenes with games. And I think that's where kind of my spark started that ultimately landed me right here. So uh, I think I would go back and relive that, that again. That was also where I started making friends around video games for the first time, where I would meet up and be like, you're a gamer, I'm a gamer, let's be friends. Hmm. And then we would be friends, and we'd share our software libraries together. So... That was kind of a golden age for me, the whole 16-bit era. Plus, I feel like that's where games really started kind of taking shape for how they would be in the yeah. future. Technology had finally gotten to that place. Uh, I was just more of an arcade rat at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I lived in the arcades too, man. I've told tons of stories on the show about the arcades. And that that might not be a bad era to relive either. Mm -hmm. Because that's also something that I will never, ever have again, no. um, unfortunately. Not in the Dave same and Buster's way. just doesn't cut no, it. No, Dave and Buster's doesn't have a lot of head-to-head -head competition happening. It's no. more the uh, pay. You don't see a whole lot of quarters I, being put up at the Dave and no. Buster's. No, well, because they're cards. <laughs> right. like, well, my thing is, like, the, the big thing for me is that like the games are timed now. Yeah. It's not about, like, are you good enough to last as long as you can last. It's just right. like you pay for... You know, 30, five minutes, five yeah. minutes of game time. Right. And I'm just like, that's not what an arcade is. It for. really isn't. Yeah, because I mean, I've said this before, but I got kicked out of a couple places because I lasted too long on a fighting game on one quarter. Yeah, got, well, the Concord are... Concord Cusar kicked me out in 1994 for lasting uh, like four hours on one token on X Men: Children of the Atom. Yep. Uh, some because I would just play and people come up and play and I and they lose and. Uh, some kid came up and played. You know, it's not like I'm gonna get, you go. You know, you don't you don't like stomp the kid into the ground, but you still don't give up your game, right? Yeah, yeah. And her his his mother complained <laughs> that some that some college kid some college kid was beating children on the on, right. on the fighting game, and so they're like, we, you gotta go. Well, the man, perception man. was way different then too. 
I mean, yeah. parents would look at you as a, like an adult in the arcade, like, what are you doing here? Right. Like, this is where my kids should be able to go and have like, fun. Be, it's and, like, there's like 12 of us here. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's like, not just me. There's more teenagers than children here, you might know. But I yeah, think in that regard, I would not want to go back to that era because the general sort of thinking around video games has evolved so much since then. Oh, yeah. Like, there never... was a stigma towards adults who played, like, I remember, like, it, I was a kid. But there were adults in the arcade, and while I looked up to them, like I remember, a lot of kids hated them because they were they would hog up machines because they were really mm. good, and you know some people were afraid of being around them. And I think there was a negative stigma attached to a lot of the older arcade players back then as well, because uh, they're like, "Why are you hanging around with kids all day?" That part of it, I would not want to go back to. Like I, I like how gaming culturally has been uh, more accepted over time. And I kind of like the place where we're at with games now, even though there's still a little bit of a stigma attached to them by certain people. So, yeah, I just never cared about that. It was, it was never, it was never a thing that I let get to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about it personally, but I, I'm not going to deny that it hasn't affected. Oh, it's me a real thing. At certain but times, it's just yeah. like, it's like that's your problem if you if you think that about me. Yep. Not that I mean, it's not like I haven't been I haven't been judged in an arcade in a long time. Let's put it that way. Yep. Probably my, probably probably for lack of venue more than anything else yeah uh great question by the way excellent one geo uh sub level 28 says hey i'm working on the on the five-year stanley parable achievement yeah <laughs> good luck with that one wolf uh, ox 10 jc yes if i'm playing gundam versus i will play gundam versus when it's out in uh, september I think. yeah it doesn't come out for a little while in the u.s it's out in japan now though some people may be playing it already uh here's one from the abram um, thoughts on the 3DS selling 142k units last week in Japan? It already sold more units this year than the last one. Hmm. Well, it's a nice, nice little system. Yeah. What is I it? Mean, What's the selling software on the library for the 3DS at yeah. this point is just killer. I know a guy who just bought one. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Quest XI came out. Yeah, it's And helping. that's why. I mean, Dragon Quest, by the what way... What was for, that, 2 million in like yeah, in two, like days two days or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. Dragon, by the way, Dragon Quest is like probably the best-selling franchise in Japan. And these games don't come around all that often. So, yeah, it did great last week, but this is an anomaly. This is, like, the game that's going to sell the 3DS if there ever was one. Mm -hmm. And I also have a feeling that that is probably the very last time you ever see that kind of a bump for 3DS uh, in Japan. <laughs> Unless maybe they, another mainline Pokemon game comes out for 3DS before it sent out the pasture, which I highly doubt. So... Uh, I think that was kind of the last hurrah for the 3DS in Japan, but impressive nonetheless. I mean, just really, the bigger story is Dragon Quest XI. It's just crazy huge, crazy, crazy impressive uh, what Square Enix is doing with that game in Japan. Also announced coming to the West officially now. So, mm -hmm. Which is not a given, by the way, with Dragon Quest. SJD Swanland uh, says, Do you think Sam is too unlikable a character for Naughty Dog to make an Uncharted game with him as the main lead that you'd want to play? And I initially read it as our TriCaster. <laughs> Screw that guy. I'm like, Never I'm make not, a video I, game about Sam. Initially, I was like, Are they gonna, Is you think Sam is too unlikable to put on camera? Is that why you keep him over <laughs> on the side? I was like, Yeah, that's totally why we keep him over there. We, we just, you'd hate him if you knew him. Actually, the original idea with Game Face was that we would put our TriCaster guy on yeah. camera. Well, because he, that was me originally. Right. Yeah, and I was like, once Matt gets up to speed with the TriCaster, there was always a mic sitting there. Yeah. And like, once Matt gets up to speed on the TriCaster, he'll be able to actually converse, um, and he'll be a part of the show. Kind of like... Uh, I don't like a lot of like talk shows that you see, yeah. like Howard Stern or whatever, where yeah, the guy I would have been Robin, basically. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, does Robin actually do like the... no? But she sits in the separate right in place. a separate area. Yeah. yeah. But then, like once 
once Marcus quit and you kind of moved to be into the co-host role, uh, we the TriCaster operators we had after that, there was no way in hell that we... Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't operate the TriCaster well enough, let alone do that plus be on the show. But actually, Sam... He's like a TriCaster wizard at this point. Yeah, um, he's got it. But they stole our mic. Right. So the mic that we had sitting there all that time got stolen when they cleaned us out. Right. I do have another one, but I have that at home. Maybe we'll maybe when we uh, right. start talking about revamping uh, the show, Sam will become a part of it in some yeah. way, shape, or form. But to answer the question... <laughs> if you're likable. <laughs> but to answer the, the question, will decide. I, uh, I would not play a game that's, that was about Sam Drake. No. Ah. I don't like Sam. I mean, he is kind of unlikable. I he's mean, kind he, of unlikable. Well, he's a dirtbag. He is kind of unlikable, and also um, scalawag. I just feel like it was. I mean, I mean, I made the comparison to Poochie from Itchy and Scratchy <laughs> multiple times, kind of like that. But it's that that element of like, you just seem to expect me to accept this character without like that he's always been there without like any kind of explanation, and I'm just like, mm, nah, not into it. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Johnny Hurricane. Do you think any of the games in October? Are going to get pushed out since it's so busy. I mean, probably. You think St- so? Well, stuff gets delayed all the time. I don't, I don't think it's because it's too busy. I think yeah. it's because something's probably, you know, st- games get delayed. Yeah. I mean, um, I can't think of anything now. specific. I mean, I'm sure Shadow of War will make it because it already got delayed. Yeah. Um, what else is in October? It's only two months, though. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's really necessarily about what games are coming out. I think it's more about time frame. Um, well, I mean, if you slip from, from October, you'd slip to like probably February, March. Maybe, but I also feel like if something was going to slip in October, they would have told us already. It's maybe. very rare. I mean, if he's talking about big games, Final Fantasy 15, that slipped from September to November. Like how far before launch? Like I still three think weeks, it was four weeks. Was it three weeks? It was very close. As I remember, though that's rare though. It is usually rare. if a big game. But is I mean, slip. eleven years just wasn't enough. We yeah. needed two more months. <laughs> exactly. But typically with a big game, if, it, if a big game was going to be delayed or not make October, we would have known about yeah, well, it Well, you'll hear about it before the big game's ad campaign starts, right. basically, because they want to spend that money for nothing. Yeah, so I would say no. I don't think at this point, asking now, I don't think any of the big games from October are going to get pushed out. That's my opinion. I can't fully remember what all the games for October are. So. I can't either. But I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's relevant either. I think it's mm-hmm. more about timing and the, the pre-investment you have to put into the marketing programs. Because, look, if a game's come out in October, those media buys have already happened. Uh, any game that's coming out in October, the publisher has already went to the TV networks and print media and digital and said, this is our budget, this is what we're spending, this is the program, run it. Uh, and it's too late to kind of bail out of that stuff at this point. So I don't see anything from October getting pushed. I would be really shocked if, if anything did. Suburban Samurai Jam asks, are there any single-player games you occasionally like to go back and replay? Campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, 3D platformers I go back and play. Mm. Because it's not really about, like, getting to that next cutscene or that next mm. story beat or whatever. Typically, games that are not story-driven, to me, uh, are much more applicable when you're talking about mm. replay value. I, gotta go, the, I think the games in the last, like, Ten or so years I've replayed the most single player wise are oddly uh, the the Tomb Raider the Tomb Raider remake I played that three or four times yeah um, the first remake yeah uh, and oddly enough Darksiders I don't even partic- I don't even particularly like Darksiders one that much <laughs> and in fact I really we gave it I think a two out of five when it came out yeah. in 2010 and I fully supported that but I've played that game I think four times yeah. through. Because it's it, it's a completely unimaginative like basically rip off of Zelda, 
but it's a real competent one. It is. Like it's yeah. a real solid. Like it doesn't do anything particularly new or well, but it does everything good enough. Yeah. And I go th- and it's got. It's actually some pretty good voice performances. I've been through that on multiple platforms because of the War Mastered Edition and stuff. Oh, and that's I. I almost forgot because when I was playing, it, I was thinking. So they they did, they did War Mastered Edition, right? Mm-hmm. And then they did Definitive Edition right. for two. Yeah. So the third one is totally going to have a Fury K edition, right? <laughs> Probably. Right? Yeah. Remember I said that. Fury K <laughs> is going to be what they play on for that. Yeah. And then there's never going to be a Strife game because you can't make a pun out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the one, uh, the one exception to kind of what I was talking about are, are open world action RPGs. Because you can spec out your character different every time. Mm-hmm. And so you can create a different gameplay experience every time based upon... What uh, what class you use, what kind of weapons you craft, uh, things like that. So right. I think with those games, it's different every time, and that makes them like Skyrim. That's true. There's a lot yeah. of people who have played Skyrim like five or six times or whatever, and they use a different character role kind of every time. So mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the other exception to. Uh, but like for me, generally, like really linear, story-driven games are the last thing that I will replay. I'll play them if I really enjoyed how they unfold, like Tomb Raider. Uh, the other thing I think uh, I, I think we mentioned earlier in the same context as Aztez, uh, I love the games where you've got a map, a strategic map to take over, and then you play an actual more action-based yeah, gameplay. Yeah. So I probably the Dark uh, Dark Crusade, uh, Dawn of War, Dark Crusade, where they got the map and you take over the planet, yeah, um, and upgrade your guy and everything, and your armies and everything. I've probably played nine or so times like wow. through that. I mean, I, I have a hundred something hours on Steam for that game wow. because I played that over and over and over. Same with Rise of Rise of Nations, uh, Conquer the World campaign, uh, Star Wars Empire at Wars, like Conquer the Galaxy, all the planets campaign. I, that's for whatever reason when it comes to strategy stuff, like I will play that for hours and hours and hours and hours. All right. I would do that with Total War too because it's a similar concept there. But uh, Total War is a little too complicated. <laughs> Sometimes, like, like I, I make horrible rookie, like tactical mistakes when I play that game, and it just makes me frustrated. Uh, here's one from Cheater Hater. When is the YouTube public dump of all the super old stuff coming? I'm assuming you don't want to put it all out on Patreon Day. Um, a lot of that stuff is already there. We've been using the YouTube player for months and months now. And a lot of that content is just a matter of going into each video and changing it from unlisted to public. Um, so a lot of that stuff is already living on YouTube servers. That won't be a problem. Um, and there's really, I don't remember ever saying that I'm just going to go dump everything on, on YouTube. Um, one, I don't think it's, one, it's not a good use of my time right now. I am completely and utterly swamped. And that's actually one thing I wanted to mention is that you have to give me a little bit of a grace period here because there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes to get the site ready for Patreon. Um, you may have seen some changes already, actually. Um, all the restriction gates are gone now. Uh, and you guys probably all are logged in when you use the site. But um, as someone who comes who is not logged in, they can go anywhere on the site right now. Uh, the footer has been changed, but we actually had to take that down because a lot of the stuff that it points to now has to be rewritten. So we have to... We have to have new terms of service. Uh, there's just there's so many things that need to be done to get the site ready for the Patreon button push. Um, and that's another thing I should probably mention while we're here with a lot of people who are new subscribers who maybe not know what the plan is, is we are moving to Patreon. We're hoping to do that around the middle of August. There's no hard date for that yet. Um, anyone who's a new subscriber who's probably now, if they got on the site, they're like, what, they're going to Patreon? I just subscribed, and there are a bunch of you. 
um, you're okay. So you do not have to go over to Patreon. You can keep subscribing through our old subscription system and it will automatically charge you the $4 per month. But once we launch the Patreon, if you want to contribute more or less, in all honesty, you can then go over to Patreon and you can set your pledge amount on Patreon and then cancel the account on the site. So uh, other people have brought up a question of, hey, I paid for a year subscription like eight months ago and I still have four months left on that. You're fine. You're still going to be able to access all the premium content. You're going to remain a premium subscriber on the site. You'll be able to access all the premium content just like you always have. When, you're, when your year runs up, you can jump over to Patreon and you can start contributing there or you can stay on our old system and just keep paying the $4 per month through that. Um, totally flexible, you can do it however you want. So just wanna clear up some of that stuff. Oh, for one, a lot of the new subscribers we just got and for some people who are like, wait a minute, I'm not in the $4 a month program yet. How's that gonna work for me? I paid for a year before you switched to the $4 thing. So just mm. wanna clear that up for you guys. Um, Head Headingmj says, having played Metal Gear Solid Five and Zelda Breath of the Wild and loving the way they controlled, what, in your opinion, third-person game should be the template for future third-person games? Mm. Uh, I'm going to say my ideal third-person open-world action RPG is a mix of Horizon Zero Dawn and The Witcher Three. Uh, I, I think Zelda's mm. format worked for Zelda, but I would not want to see everything become that. I honestly don't do... I'm not a huge fan of the controls in The Witcher 3. In fact, I would I would say that... Well, my controls would come from Horizon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the controls in, in Witcher 3 fine, but they are not as tight as other examples in the genre. Yeah, I mean, Witcher, to me, that was one of The Witcher's biggest weaknesses, was the controls and the response. They're still much better than Witcher 2, uh, but they're still not quite there. Horizon is a, incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, it really just feels like an action game. I would also give a nod to Rise of the Tomb Raider, thought the controls yeah. in that game were excellent. When I mentioned The Witcher 3, I'm mostly talking about the depth and, and care put into the side quests. So oh, okay. Like basically, the, like in terms of narrative, because I think Horizon's fine in that regard, but yeah. it's not on the level of, like... I mean, there are side quests in The Witcher 3 that are better stories than main oh, yeah. game, story, like the main stories. Well, of I would the argue games. there are side quests in The Witcher 3 that are better than some of the main quests in The Witcher 3. That too. That <laughs> so, too. it's not just other games. It's the, I mean, there are just... That becomes really... more apparent when you, play the, when you play the DLC and you're like, wow, these stories are way better than the main story yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're in the vanilla game. Well, I think it makes but, a um, difference, though, when you can just concentrate on this small chunk of content mm. instead of just this huge, massive, hulking beast that you have to fill with relevant stuff. I think it makes but, a big um, difference. The other thing is I would say is like I don't think necessarily think everything would need to be like one thing or the other. Like I I like that Zelda doesn't quite feel like Metal Gear, doesn't quite feel like Horizon, which doesn't quite feel like The Witcher. Like everybody's kind of got their own take on it and that works. Each each you know each game has has different demands and what the gameplay needs to do and what Metal Gear does would not work for Horizon and I was I was not a huge fan of the controls in Phantom Pain though. Like they're okay. Fine. I don't. I don't remember having issues with. I just. I think part of it was my issues with Phantom Pain was was load screens and and yeah. breaks in the action and and yeah. nothing to do with Mother Base and that kind of me. But in terms of like the actual one, when you finally got where you were freaking going and like things started to happen, I felt pretty good about it. I thought I thought it was pretty good. I think part of it was the animation. I don't even know. I, I think that demonstrates very clearly the connection that the player makes between what the character shows he's doing and what it feels like in mm. your hands. Um, I just felt like it, like the running animation in that game is really weird. 
Like it, it's not motion captured. It's like they they animated it by hand or something. It just doesn't look he does, right. He does run a little funny, but he is carrying a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And, but it's sort of the same thing. Was like it's like The Witcher, where like a lot of the reason people feel that you know the default controls on that feel strange is because he's got so much uh, inertia in how he runns. Right. And you can turn that off. There's the alternate controls yeah. and turns that off, but I think that feels weirder. So yeah. I, I play with inertia. I like inertia in <coughs> controls in general. But Metal Gear Solid Five has that too, where it's not as loosey goosey as as uh, Witcher Three is, but it's still you, you know you have to take into account the fact that the character has to change direction in in Five. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of see where you're going with that. But uh, I never I, I I just got tired of watching the run animation because you had to run everywhere. If you didn't want to bring a horse, and I rarely wanted to bring a horse. Uh, Joe Thor eighty four, which arcade machine did you sink the most money into? I've actually answered this before, but what about you, Matt? I think um, overall probably Street Fighter two and its variants. Uh, either that or uh, NBA Jam, original NBA Jam. Maybe maybe NBA Jam because uh, one game of Street Fighter costs a quarter, and one game of NBA Jam costs. Uh, a dollar, yeah. So because you had to pay a quarter per quarter, right. um, but there was there was at the arcade I worked at uh, in high school. There were some fierce, fierce NBA Jam because because NBA Jam, if you've never seen the arcade machine, had uh, it had a leaderboard and whoever was at the top of the that location's like you know the most winningest because you put your your name in every time you played and it kept a record of your initials yeah. like your 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 stats and everything, and whoever was the the top winner of that machine in the attract screen you'd get your initials shown big as the Huge. screen yeah. with like sparkling gold yeah. <laughs> and everyone wanted that so like there was yeah. some there was some break like just cutthroat competition to yeah. be number 1 at the location of course like the people who worked there and the regulars would just go back and forth and it became like it, like in the matrix when um when uh, Mouse runs, it's like Morpheus is fighting Neo. Like that's what it was yeah, like. Yeah, that, yeah. that scene in Matrix reminds me of when like <laughs> Larry and Zach were the two guys who was, used to fight like for the top spot the most. Of, like somebody like lean their head out to the people in the parking lot. They're playing. Like, like Larry's Larry's playing Zach. They're going for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, and like Great. and it just huge crowds and stuff. So, yeah. But I I put tons of my uh, I wasted tons of money I was paid working there by putting it directly back in the machine, giving it back to my boss. Yeah. So uh, I would, it was probably NBA Jam or Street Fighter Two. Yeah, the uh, I think if I had to pick one that I probably spent the most on was Super Punch Out. But there are a couple other games that I spent a ton of money on too. A Moon Patrol was one mm. of the first arcade games that ever resonated with me, um, and so I spent a lot of money on that, and I got really good at that. The game was hard. It was hard. It was really hard. But I got good at it, and I was obsessed with it. And then there was another game, Exevious. And the only reason I played that, I liked Exevious. But the reason I spent a lot of money on that game was because, like, when I was growing up, we lived, like, way outside of town from a really small town. And our school was in town. And so, like, when I played sports, basketball, and football or whatever, it was always a pain in the butt for me to get to practice and back out at home. And my dad worked weird hours in, like, a coal mine. So a lot of times what would happen is, like, one of my friend's parents would drop me off at this convenience store, and I would have to sit there and wait for my dad to come to get off work and come and get me. Mm. And it ha- there was an Exevious machine in that convenience store. And there were some times, like, my dad would get way late at work, and I would just sit there for hours and hours, and I would just <coughs> I would eat score bars, <laughs> and I would play Exevious. <laughs> I would, sometimes it would be, like, five hours. Uh, and then you start, like, rationing it. You're like, oh, I have three quarters left. When's my dad going to get here? You play... And then you go sit outside for a little while. I'd be like, oh, I got another hour. And you go in and put your last... Qu-. Like, yeah. So 
Those are the three games I probably spent the most on. Fighting games, I don't even know how much I spent on those, man. Obviously, Street Fighter 2 was huge. Basically, um, all my spare money went into Street Fighter 2 and NBA Jam for about two years. Yeah. I would say it was, that was all I played. Yeah, if like, anyone in my family handed me money, like I, that's what I spent it on arcade mm-hmm. games. <laughs> that's really pathetic, but I used to keep my, I used to keep quarters in the little film canisters, yeah. that, which don't exist anymore right, either. Yeah. <laughs> There's no film anymore, yeah. really. Uh, let's answer a few more. Um, Erebus Jones, given the initial stall base of the 3DS, the install base of the Switch, and the probable high dev cost for a Switch game, why would Nintendo release another mainline Pokemon game on 3DS? Why would they or why wouldn't they? Why, why wouldn't Nintendo? I think it will. I think it will, yeah. yeah. There's, there's no reason not to throw that game, whatever the next Pokemon game is, there's no reason not to release it on the, the system with the tens of millions. I think it'll just come out on both. Yeah. It'll look better on Switch or whatever, yeah. but I think it'll come out on both. And honestly, I think even if that's two years from now, mm-hmm. and the 3DS is long dead and buried, I think it will still it'll come still out. still come out, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because that's the game that people will be like, oh, I have a 3DS. Yeah, I have that in And a they will go and dust like, it yeah. off. And bust it out, recharge it to play a Pokemon yeah, I game. I mean, I did that last year. I hadn't played a 3DS game in a while, but I went and pulled it out to play Pokemon after Pokemon Go blew up, and I hit that point where I'm like, I'd rather just play real Pokemon. And so I did. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I think I think whatever the next Pokemon game will be both systems. In the same way. I mean, it's not like it's unprecedented. It's the same thing they did with uh, Smash Brothers. Yep. We've got a hashtag going here, Sam. Get, hashtag get Sam on cam. <laughs> He doesn't seem too excited by that. <laughs> Hashtag Sam on cam. Uh, Alex Sifted Mod. What's up, Alex? Thanks again for your modding, brother. Uh, I've never played Skyrim. Would you recommend I get the remaster on PS4 or wait for the Switch version to take it on the go? I recommend you get the remaster on the Xbox or the PC so you can use mods. Uh, good point. Yeah, but PS4 li- limits the mods. If he's never played it before, though. There's some quality of life stuff I think you still want from the mods, and there's some really good mods. But there, there's of... also a quality of life angle with having a portable version of Skyrim. That's not quality of life because it's the vanilla one. Yeah. And it's, it, that thing is not going to run well. That's a tough question, though. That's a good question. It's not question. for me. I would never want to play it on the, on the Switch first. No really? way. No way. It's not, the, it's not even the remastered. Yeah. But on the small screen, it's going to look better anyway. No, it won't, because it's on a small screen. Why not play it on a real TV? It's a giant, epic, open-world game. Play it on a television. I get that angle, but there's... Sw- a Switch, the Switch Skyrim, to me, is for people who've already played that game and want like to have one of their favorite games with them on the go. It is not the first place to experience that game. There's no. a novelty to playing... I mean, think about it. There has right, never I'm... really been a game like this ever portable. Well, Zelda... Right. But, <laughs> I mean... But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the paradigm shift with Switch. Yeah, but again... It and limits... I think you discount that with a lot of people. I think a lot of people, that's a big deal to them. Being able to take legitimately, like, huge action RPGs and anywhere they want and play them. And I would just say I discount it a little bit, too. Mm. But I think the average person, that is a big deal to them. I think the portability of the Switch in general is a big deal, to, bigger deal to everybody than it is us. Somewhat, but I mean, if, if you're asking my opinion on how you should experience yeah. Skyrim for the first time, <laughs> not on a... Tiny 720p screen. Yeah. Well, I mean, a Switch, so you can then play it on the TV as well. And is, but, but is it going to run? Well, also, it's not the enhanced edition, yeah. and it, you can't use mods. Like, that yeah. is an inferior Skyrim experience. We don't even know if, uh, if he even has a PC, though. Yeah, but I mean, PC or He's asking or either PS4 or 
Well, one, of those two, so of those two, you would PS4, get PS4 because at least it uses some mods. Yeah, and I mean it's a little quality, like fixing the UI and kind of like you know stuff like that. Things that just make it a little less annoying to play. Um, you don't get like some of the really cool uh, like content mods, but uh, you know it's it's better than nothing. Uh, let's see. Here's a good one from Tomadu. Do you think Dragon Ball Z Fighters, with a Z, mm -hmm. will take the reins over Marvel, Marvel vs. Capcom in Tag Team Fighters? No. You think Infinite will keep that crown? Uh, in terms of like like the tournament scene and that kind of thing, uh, Infinite will keep the crown because Capcom's going to put money into it. You think so? I don't think uh, Bandai Namco is as interested in, in pushing money into the tournament scene in that regard. Is that who's putting that out, Bandai yeah. Namco? I mean, maybe. Fighters is getting huge hype, Fighters man. Fighters is People getting big, but it. like, uh, I just don't see it. Ha I don't see it happening not because the game's going to be worse or worse than yeah. Infinite. I think it's because Capcom's going to push Infinite hard because they've got Marvel backing them and they want that thing to be visible and seen. Whereas uh, I think the Dragon Ball Fighter will be. I think the Dragon Ball Fighter might not be in a community favorite. Yeah. And I, might, I think it might be part of a lot of tournaments. I mean, let's because, be honest. Because people want to play it, but I think in terms of visibility and size, it's just going to, by default, Capcom's going to throw enough money at an infinite to make it that. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is going to outsell Dragon Ball Z Fighters. It just is. And Dragon Ball Z Fighters may be way better, but I still think Infinite will ultimately outsell it and be more popular. Mm -hmm. If only, one, because of the pedigree of MVC. But two, because it's Marvel, and it just has a building. Marvel, and they're going to have a huge campaign behind it. Yep. And I mean, Dragon Ball is going to sell well, because yeah. there's a huge contingent of Dragon Ball fans. There's a bunch of people that grew up with it that are old enough to you know, spend money on, on, a, on, a, on a game for that. And are, I mean, it looks great. I mean, I don't even like Dragon Ball, and I'm interested. Yeah, so, well, the game's uh, awesome. Yeah, so... It'll be, I think it'll be like what you'd call a sleeper hit. Uh, you know, it'll be a, something that like people who are into the genre, people who are part of the community really like it and, and, and want it at these events. But like, I don't know if Bandai Namco is going to really put their muscle behind it. You know what I mean? I mean, even on, when people are asking for a Switch port of it, they're like, well, we'll see how Xenoverse 2 does. And everyone's like, that's totally not a replace. Like, like, people who buy, want to buy the fighting game don't necessarily want to buy Xenoverse 2. That's not a comparison. I don't know how well Bandai Namco is going to gonna handle this you know what i mean like it's not really their forte uh outside of like tekken it's true but you know tekken seems to be adopted rather well so maybe the success there will be uh tekken 7 seems to have been accepted pretty well so maybe uh they, whereas tekken kind of was the redheaded stepchild of the fighting game community for a while it was kind of like oh tekken's on time for dinner break you know like it was it was uh, even even at the tournaments it was like that when like the top eight for tekken happened i was like oh so you want to get something to eat since tekken's on like it was like it was not um that was a mistake though because the top eight of tekken were, was great no i don't mean evo i mean oh. through the years i've been uh, at tournaments got it, got it. where once the top eight of tekken went up i was like all right lunchtime yeah, like, yeah it's go. time to go yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like <laughs> no one cared but like yeah. that seems to be changing and seven's been very well received so maybe bondi will bondi namco will, will find it more worth their while to push another fighter as well, especially since they seem to have a winner on their hands. But I still think Capcom and Marvel are going to throw money at this thing to be... Or rather, throw money at the tournament organizers to the point that they become oh, it's gonna be the included. main event. Yeah, you know? for sure. Uh, and then, Cheater Hater, I see a follow-up. You're saying, um, I know that, in reference to me talking about how we already have a ton of content on YouTube that just needs to be switched from unlisted to public. But then you say, when you do that, it'll generate a bunch of notifications to subscribers. That is not true. 
Um, it may end up appearing in their feed, but they actually will not get a notification as if we had just published something new. Because we discovered that when we started working with Pactor. We were like, okay, well, we have this unlisted version of Pactor for our subscribers. And then a week later, when we're ready to get to put it on YouTube for everybody for free, we'll just change it from unlisted to public and everyone will get an alert. They actually don't. Um, they don't get an alert at all. Uh, we had several people say, oh my gosh, where'd this episode come from? I didn't get a notification as a subscriber. It just, I just stumbled across it. I didn't even know it was there. Uh, so that does not work that way mm -hmm. with YouTube, unless they've changed something in the last like month that I'm not aware of. But otherwise, that's UMBC, not how it works. Uh, so they're talking a little bit more about the, the competition. UMBC3 will not be took competition from Marvel Infinite because it will no longer be supported by Capcom, which means the prize pool won't be there, which means it won't be there, period. Mar Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is over in the tournament scene, especially the Capcom Tour stuff. And when you say that Dragon Ball Fighters is going to be bigger than Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, the only way that could be happening is if the prize prizes for winning the tournaments with Dragon Ball Fighters is bigger than the ones for Infinite, because the prizes are the ones that the pros want to win. And I don't see that happening from Bandai Namco. I think Capcom and Marvel are going to make sure the prizes for Infinite are uh, well worth competing for. Well, lots of people here are like, <laughs> are all like. Pro DBZ. Oh, I'm not They're saying, like, oh, you're underestimating the power of the. We know the how big the IP I know how big of DBZ it, IP is. IP of Dragon huge. Ball is for sure. It's big, but uh, it's no Marvel. Marvel is the top <laughs> film series on the planet, yeah. and it's not. Dragon Ball Z is not as big as Marvel here, people. I don't care how much you like it. Yeah, it's not, uh, not even close. It's it's gonna because Dragon Ball Z fighters could claw its way up to being as big. It certainly, I think, is going to get better reviews. It's probably going to be the better game. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all indications We're not slagging are, Dragon all Ball. All indications are that Dragon Ball Z Fighters is going to be better than Marvel vs. Capcom yeah. Infinite, I would say. Yeah, so far. And I say that as someone who doesn't care about Dragon Ball and loves Marvel. Yeah, And look, um, we get it. Yes, it was promoted at EVO. We saw oh, yeah. it. We watched EVO. We saw everything. But it's going to come down to what the prizes are. Yeah. And Capcom's got locked down on... How much money, you know, if you want to win the most money playing fighting games, you're playing Capcom Fighters, and that's going to be Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Definitely. I would love to see Dragon Ball come, come kind of like as a community choice, kind of you know, sort of the way Blaze Blue has, where like Blaze Blue is sort of blown up because the community loves it and promotes it so much that it became a big deal in this Evo. But uh, Dragon Ball is going to have to have a, Dragon Ball is going to have an uphill fight for that. Yeah. Just because I don't know, you know, hopefully Bandai Namco is willing to put the money behind it and the money. Not just the money behind it, but the money in front of the players. And say, hey, play Dragon Ball in these tournaments and you will win all this money. But Capcom is way ahead of them and way outspending them right now. Yeah, I also wonder too, <coughs> so at first I was thinking, well, without a doubt, the, ca the more casual players will pick up Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Just because they know the characters on both sides, on Capcom and Marvel. Mm -hmm. But I just wonder if There's there, also a huge... Is there even a casual market for fighting games anymore, Matt? Yeah, there's some. Is there? There's, I mean, otherwise Marvel vs. Capcom 3 wouldn't have sold what it's in. Yeah, um, but I'm, I mean, I'm talking about, like, it just seems like in the last few years, no, like, it's Street there. Fighter it's, 5... No, like, it's there. Yeah. Street Fighter 5 was not perceived as a casual game. That's the part of the Varvis problem. It's yeah. not just a game you buy and play with your friends. It's got all the online stuff and didn't have a story. It's like, it's, it, was, it was weird in that yeah. regard. Um, and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite might also be weird in that regard. I mean, they, yeah. they seem to be trying to do the same kind of thing. Um, but also, you know, I can't, you can't, there's also a giant casual gaming Dragon Ball fan base. You know, yeah. like there's tons yeah, right. of people who don't play games constantly who love Dragon Ball and are going to pick that fighting You're game. You're right. You're absolutely I mean, right. the sales for the Dragon Ball fighting game, I think, are going to surprise Namco. I, I, like, they don't seem to think that that is like, like they, I'm sure they, they know they got like a good game on their hands, but I don't, I think Bandai Namco is going to be a little shocked at how well that game sells. 
People are saying they're shocked to hear you say that you think Evo players are motivated primarily by money. It's not about Evo players. It's about the year-round tournament. These people right. got to make money. That, that, that's, that's what drives you is the prize money. Yeah. I think they mis completely misconstrued what you said, but... I'm not talking about EVO. I mean, pe these pro players got to play games to yeah. earn money around the whole year, not just EVO. Yeah, like they're saying it's about the prestige. And we would agree with that with EVO, EVO yes. is about the prestige, but if you're trying to win the NorCal Regionals, you probably want the prize money yeah. and the EVO points. Yeah, trust me, the, the prestige part of it wears out real quick when you're traveling to Poughkeepsie, New York, and some little dusty town in Kansas for your next tournament. Like, then the money really matters. And that's... And then... Mm -hmm. You have to build your cachet and your wins to ultimately make it to the regionals, to ultimately make it to Evo. So, and, you got, and you have to have this situation where like Capcom is supporting those tournaments and providing yeah. support for that, which leads to better prizes. And is Bandai Namco going to be willing to do that? I don't know. I don't know what their plans are on that. Well, there's also just a story today about there was some Well, I say it'll be a community favorite, but it may not be the headliner yeah. at, these, at these tournaments. Money matters, because there was just a story, it's on Sifted right now, about a Smash Brothers tournament that happened like eight months ago in Sweden, and the winners still haven't been paid. That's not okay. But the, Right, but to your point about right. you need these publishers to sponsor this stuff, because otherwise, who's going to go back to that tournament now? Nobody. Right. After you get burned once, you're not going back. Mm -hmm. Imagine the people who may have traveled overseas to that tournament yeah. and won and didn't get paid. So even if like even if you have a tournament that like you know was horribly run or was a disaster or whatever, the stream yeah. didn't work, or whatever. If you see that tournament happen again the following year, I'll guarantee you one thing: everyone who won those those who who got in the money got paid promptly. Yep, because that's the only way you get people to come back. Yep, you're right. Look, we get we get the the spirit of Evo just like you, and we love mm -hmm. it just like you. But I, ha I think a lot of people... But Evo is like the, the, the culmination and the celebration right. of what... Ha and, and the business happens the rest of the year, you know? You're I mean? right. Because the pro I think the problem is, is people, rightfully so, romanticize Evo. Mm -hmm. And it's probably the only tournament they watch all year. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times they just kind of project that onto esports in general. Yeah, they're not all like that. There's That's a not how it is. There's a lot man. of tournaments that take place in grimy hotel ballrooms. And, yeah. You know, I mean, how yeah. Evo used to be in there. In one of them. Yeah, yeah, in a grimy ballroom. But um, I mean, there are tournaments that take place like in way, places way worse than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is a gritty, grinded out of, thing. It's, but if it's part of the circuit, part of the scene. You got to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then money does matter. Like, nobody wants to go to some crappy little room to play games all day with people that they don't even know, and then if they win, they don't get paid. So yeah, I mean, Evo, yeah. I don't. Mm -hmm. I, the rest of the esports scene is very different. It's a much more complicated question than just is Dragon Ball better right. than Marvel vs. Capcom yeah. Infinite? It's, it doesn't matter. Look, there's a lot of people that didn't even like Marvel vs. Capcom Three. Marvel vs. Capcom Three was still in Evo this year. Yeah. Even I mean, who care? I mean, look, I, people care because they watch it, but it's like. Is it a headliner anymore? No, but Capcom still wants it in there, so it gets in there because Capcom's footing the bill. Yep, absolutely right. So we're going to cut it off there. Great questions, as always, people. Um, mad props to the folks in our chat. Also for doing some quick research for us during the show. Always appreciate that. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Things are heating up. If you have not watched Dossier yet, August is going to be a great month. There's tons of great games coming. That was a long video. What, Dossier? Dossier yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. There, I think there was like 50-some games. In, in dossier this month things are ramping up we're the gonna out is over yeah well the crappy part is you fought with me through the dry months of summer now we're finally starting to get into some big games and you're gonna be yeah. out the next couple episodes so well i'll be back for uh, i'll be back for um agents of mayhem, mayhem. Well, hopefully we'll be back for the big patreon push as well so oh yeah 
Yep. So anyway, thanks as always for tuning in, everybody, on the live stream. You guys were great as always. Really appreciate your input and your help during the, the live stream. Everybody else have a great weekend. Game Face is up and out.